the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Jonathan Stark, Charlie from House 2, and Billy Cole from Friday Night Kid. And you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Ninja 3, The Domination. Starring, Sho Kasugi, Lucinda Dickey, and Jordan Bent. This week on Podcasting After Dark, we learned two very important lessons from the 80s. One, only a ninja can kill a ninja. And two, there was absolutely no manscaping back then at all. I'm Corey. <laughs> and I'm Manscaped Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. Me too, by the way. I am Manscaped Corey. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. I know. And this week we are talking about Ninja 3, The Domination. Woo! The Domination. The Domination. <laughs> if this was made in the 90s, it would be Mortal Kombat. The domination. Yes, yes, it would. And uh, oh boy, oh boy, there's a there's quite a few like Mortal Kombat connections, sort of. But it's you know, but we'll get into all that kind of stuff uh, as we sort of break down the movie and dig into the whole experience. But uh, Zach, since I'm show running this one and uh, breaking it down, and this was my pick, what is, if any, your connection to this movie? Well, first of all, I'm so glad you chose this movie. Uh, it is. It encapsulates everything that podcasting after dark is all about, minus a few things here and there, <laughs> uh, a few chest hairs, tufts of back hair here and there. But um, th- no, this movie surprisingly, I had never seen this one. I'm very surprised by that, by the way. Yeah, I, look, it, it was always at the video store, and honestly, the box art really freaked me out. I love. Ninja movies. I've always loved ninja movies. I love, love martial art movies, but this one just never appealed to me, which kind of su- doesn't surprise me because uh, the people at Canon were kind of like, uh, well, or Sam Furstenberg, I think, was uh, not surprised that this wouldn't appeal to the ninja audience. Um, <laughs> no shocker there. And and then I my familiarity is. Mostly with um, Electric Boogaloo, the the documentary about the Canon film company, which if you haven't seen it, we've pimped it out a few times on this show. Definitely check it out because it is phenomenal. But yeah, that's my familiarity with it. Watching it there and wa- watching clips of it there going, oh my God, I why have I not watched this movie? I need to see this now. <laughs> Thank the gods for Corey being my broheim from another Moheim. And um, <laughs> the rest is heistery. Um, man, I'm like terrible with these stupid puns or whatever I'm doing tonight. Uh, I'm enjoying them. Yeah, good. As long as you're enjoying it, that's all that matters. Uh, but yeah, that that's my fami- familiarity with it. Uh, okay. And dude... Yeah, like I, for me, you know, you always have me like break down the cast for the movie or whatever. I'm like, oh, this is going to be an easy one. 
There's like two names that <laughs> there's like talk there's about like two, two names. <laughs> and honestly, like I would say like ten percent of the entire cast has pictures on IMDB. Like ninety percent of the cast has no pictures at all. And it's like <laughs> yeah, okay, that's a bad that's sign. It. That tells you something. Uh, you did say earlier that this kind of uh, it sort of encompasses what what Pat is all about. Um, but I would say this is probably one of the best examples of what the Canon group gave us in the 80s. And you can say that there's maybe other better movies out there. I'm doing quotes, you know, uh, from their catalog. <laughs> quotes, yeah. um, but I think this one really just encapsulates every zaniness that that they sort of, you know, went with back in the day. And, you know, and when you look back at canon movies so fondly, I think this movie really just is exemplifies everything that we love collectively uh, about canon movies, essentially. You know, it's so bonkers. It is fucking bonkers. Yeah, I envision I if, if there was like a metaphor, uh, if I'm using that term correctly, uh, I just picture a big fan, like a box fan, you know, from the 80s that you put the box fan in your window. And, yeah. And, right. And I, I picture a box fan uh, and a guy behind the box fan with a big pile of shit, like a big pile of shit. And, and then there's a big white wall in front of the fan and he just dumps the shit into the fan and it sprays all over the wall. And that is what this movie is. <laughs> It, but by shit you mean <laughs> in a good way the, the best kind of like way you know like when like it comes the, to the movie best shit, shit. It, if there yeah. <laughs> if there ever was a ter- a thing that like good shit could be a thing this would be good shit yeah but it's literally yeah. shit that's good good shit versus bad shit take the box of good shit and just throw everything at it the, i mean this you know, movie yeah. has possessions this movie's like the exorcist this movie's like flash dance and then you throw in just the 80s uh ninja craze and it's it's everything it's it's everything and it shouldn't work but it kind of does as uh as our good buddy david irons knows about me specifically i love me some neon I love me some arcade games. This movie's got <laughs> both, and it's got a dancing montage, albeit short. It should have been a lot longer. So that's that does enough for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah buddy. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the reason I picked this movie, I don't actually have any strong connection to it, meaning I don't have like a story that sort of goes with it. To be truthful with you, I wasn't a big fan of ninja movies back in the day, but I had a friend. It wasn't Luke. Uh, Luke was more my horror movie friend. Uh, My buddy Robbie, he loved, you know, ninja movies. So I saw a bunch of them with him, you know, Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, like all that shit, right? And this one, kind of in my memory, they all sort of blend together except for this one. This one stands out, and rightfully so, because it's just, it's zany, it's crazy, it's it's bananas. Um, but I didn't watch it, you know, a lot on my own. I didn't kind of go out of my way to watch it. I was always like, okay, yeah, it's that movie. It's the movie I've seen with my buddy. But, like, you know, we're a year into podcasting after dark, and I feel like we need to touch on a ninja movie because ninjas were such... A huge thing back in the 80s like ninja movies were so freaking big back in the 80s and i'm like we got to touch on this shit you know like we got to talk about ninjas at some point but truth be told i probably won't have another ninja movie 
on my list, maybe, maybe if we go long enough uh, <laughs> into the future, uh, we might see the uh, the Hunted with Christopher Lambert. I, I kind of oh, like that, that one. That's that was like movie. like early '90s, wasn't it? Yeah, early '90s. Great yeah. movie. And if I remember correctly, they they treated the whole ninja thing a bit more respectfully. Like they tried to show them a bit more realistic and everything in that one in the Hunted. Well, that yeah, that was ninja versus samurai. Right. And, um, and I have some problems with it. One specifically, Christopher Lambert being kind of a pansy in that movie, kind of a puss. Like he was, you know, he wasn't like he was he was stumbling and bumbling. When was and the last time the you end. saw The Hunted, just out of curiosity? Uh, I'd say about 10 years ago. OK, I, I but, haven't probably seen it since like 1995. Oh, you know? OK, OK. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, th- this movie you're talking about specifically uh enter uh ninja three really was the the reason for the american ninja movies because canon was like look this movie isn't gonna do very well we need something that's a little more ninja-esque and they made the american ninja movies which obviously kicked off a whole other craze right so so let's establish the fact that this is the the weird third in a trilogy although none of them are really connected no. uh enter enter the ninja revenge of the ninja and then ninja 3 the domination and the originally from my understanding or, or sort of like uh the the urban legend as it goes now or whatever is that this whole it had a different ending to this movie and basically she christy um played by lucinda uh dicky was going to overcome the bad ninja and then basically become a ninja of her own and then moving forward they were going to continue this as a series with her correct is that how it was supposed to go down yeah yeah and i would have been totally okay with that yeah i mean yeah. she's the, she's the star of the film you know you go on imdb and she's listed second but because show kasugi was or kasugi is a bigger name i guess than she is in the action genre obviously yeah uh but yeah she it would have been great she's she's fantastic i clearly could have seen a franchise built around that but they just obviously didn't have faith in it she she was doing break in and break in two right around the same time and so and they yeah, had I like think, a i think it was i think she she did this then she went to go to break in and she cut her hair super short so at the end of this movie when she comes uh um, it's like the the very end like the last 10 minutes um you can tell she has a wig because they had to go back and refilm the ending to change it to to what you see here but boy oh boy is that wig so very apparent (laughs) yeah i mean i i actually prefer with short hair i think she looked awesome uh, well, I will say that my, my wife was very uh, intrigued by figuring out what her hairstyle was in this yes. movie, like her normal hairstyle, not the not the last 10 minutes of it, you know, but the normal hairstyle. She's like she's like my wife's like it's like she shaved her head and then let it all grow out like the same <laughs> length. Like, uh, you know what I mean? She was my wife was just trying to figure out like what the style was. And I'm just like, oh, my God, the, the style is called 1984 is what the style is. I, yeah, I was gonna say if if the if it was a style, uh, it, the closest proximity would be Gene Simmons' hair, um, <laughs> sans makeup. So, yeah. and if you don't know what Gene Simmons' hair san- and face sans makeup looks like in the '80s, check out the album Animalize or Lick It Up, and those are great uh, versions of Gene Simmons and all that glory. Very Gene Simmons esque on a <laughs> beautiful woman. Yes, Lucinda yeah. 
a very bad hairstyle on a very gorgeous woman. Yeah, dude, she's like, uh, she was like that, that's rock star dance girl fitness look that, like, she's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. She was, and, and she's was a trained dancer, which is why she was able to sort of, uh, you know, pick up all, uh, pick up the action moves and stuff and, and look convincing doing it. Uh, she said in, in the interview on the, the Blu-ray, by the way, we're, we're listening where we reviewed the, or we used the, the shout factory Blu-ray, the collector's edition one. Um, and she talked about in the interview, you know, it's, it's just like dancing, like karate is just sort of another form of dancing in that regard. So she kind of picked a, picked it up a little bit, uh, easily, but she wanted to do more of her stunts unfortunately they didn't sort of let her do a lot of her own stunts even though she she seemed very capable of it she she was like she was very fit and very physical um of course obviously they didn't want her to get hurt and i think at this point they were really grooming her as the the big cannon girl and she was supposed to go off and do the king solomon's minds and stuff like that but you know obviously sharon stone went off and, and did that um so i think around this time frame they were grooming her to be the the big it girl at canon yeah she should have been i mean and you're right about the dancing uh or she's right about dance martial art and dance being so similar i I think that was the other thing too that this this not this movie in particular but martial arts movies ninja movies around this time um you know there were so many and not just like you said not just the ninja movies the original one enter the ninja with franco nero it's pretty amazing seeing franco nero aka django the original yeah. django see uh you know with a samurai sword and being a ninja but you know i think of like movies like uh, no retreat no surrender which incorporated break dancing moves into the martial arts uh, that's a great cheese ball martial art movie. I think of the movie Only the Strong that came out in the 90s with Mark Dacascos uh, yep. that infused capoeira uh, martial arts in it. So that had that more dance, and it took place in Miami, so it had that whole kind of Miami dance vibe to it. Mm. Yeah, shit like that. This would have fit perfectly in that. She she didn't, I was looking at her resume, she pretty much didn't do anything after the 90s, you know, uh, early 90s. Yeah, and on the documentary, she mentioned, you know, that she basically uh, just stayed home and, and raised her, her kids, you know, and, her, and I think her husband worked. I don't know what he does or if he's an actor or whatever, but uh, she seems very fond of her time with Canon and seems very fond of, of the fans of this movie. And uh, both her and um, the guy who plays Billy Secord um, was, uh, um, sorry, yeah, J- Jordan, sorry, Jordan, Jordan Bennett. Bennett. Um, yep. And he, he was like a more of a stage guy and everything, but very interesting. Interesting, like, cast around the two, like, capable people, meaning uh, Sho Kasugi and David Chung being the two, like, martial arts capable people in here. It's, like, it's very interesting who they chose to go with. Somebody with, like, more of a stage background and a stand-up comedy background and then a more of a classically trained dancer as your lead who – honestly had no acting abilities and, and after she st- she said in the interview she started to learn acting like after uh, uh, this movie so it, which is interesting but I think she does a great fucking job in this film for quote unquote not being an actor or classically trained or whatever I, I never once was like oh that's terrible I was it was more like oh it's Canon you know it's it's silly yeah. it's Canon you know she's good she's really good in this but this is a who's who of who mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because it's literally people you you've seen in bit parts. I used to goof on that as I got older 
uh, more a little a little wiser to films with when I watch a movie with my brother Eric, and we'd see like Thug Number Two in right. a, a bunch of movies, and suddenly now Thug Number Two is the lead villain in a movie. I'm like, oh, that's not very convincing. That was Thug Number Two in like every other action movie back in the day, and now he's yeah. the lead <laughs> villain. Come he on. like he like moved his way way up the uh, the casting couch i guess i guess I, I mean i think i said that about billy drago when i saw him in delta force part two yeah. i'm like come on he has balls shot off in the beginning in, in, in invasion usa he was like a lowly thug now he's the lead cocaine dealer no nah, i'm not buying it not buying it nowadays i would have been like cool and by the way the ball shooting scene in invasion usa is still one of the best scenes of any movie that we've covered on this podcast so far you're welcome and that's canon <laughs> Um, but yeah, no. And, and and like you said, show specifically show Kasugi, uh, you know, the guy, he actually didn't do a lot of films as well. However, I will point out a couple American movies he was in, in the nineties or sorry, late eighties, early nineties. One being that are both worth checking out. Uh, Aloha summer is a great coming of age, uh, drama like takes takes place in the 50s 60s in hawaii and i think he's like the father of one of the main characters but it's got um you know the it's got chosen from um karate kid part two uh it's got don michael paul chris Makepeace. that's a great like fun kind of 80s you know like 50s type movie coming of age movie and then the other one being blind fury uh with our good boy rucker Hauer. Uh, Blind Fury is just <laughs> cheese ball fest, and it's so much fun. And he's in that as well. He's been in a, I mean, he's uh, he was in uh, Black Eagle, which always gets touted as one of the first JCVD movies. Um, that's a that's actually a really decent action straight to video mm-hmm. action movie. Just like fun stuff like that. And, you know, he's kind of a legend for what he does. And I'm looking through his IMDb here, and I see, like, you know, Pray for Death, which a lot of people online have mentioned is is one of his better ones. Uh, Nine Deaths of the Ninja. And it's funny because I recognize the cover to all of these. Oh. All of these movies, you know. Uh, it's I'm like, oh, it's that one. Oh, that one. But this is – so this is the reason I picked – in, uh, enter the ninja. This is the reason I picked Ninja Three: The Domination is because th- all of those movies. I remember I've seen every single one of them with my buddy uh, Robbie. I don't remember a single one of them, or I, I probably would if I saw them, but I, I can't dif- differentiate any of them in my head. But I can differentiate this one, and it's because of Lucinda Dickey, obviously, because that was a different thing, having the a female lead sort of be the ninja, that was obviously makes that stand out, um, yeah. but I'm with you, I will say that the cover for this movie, I, I'm not trying to like, like steal your jive or whatever, but it kind of freaked me out too, because yeah. I was like, I was like, and I kind of didn't understand the movie. Like, even when I watched it as a kid, I was like, but she's the good guy, but yet she's killing, but I don't kind of understand. And I think that was the same issue I had uh, with The Keep. Remember when I was when I was younger? I was yep. like, so so the good guys are the Nazis? But then, you know, we, we obviously dig into it, and we realize that they're, they're the German soldiers. They're not the Nazis. But when you're, you know, when you're like 10, 11, 12, you're like, what is, I don't understand, you know? And, and when you don't understand it, you get a little freaked out by it. And yeah. so this movie, 
did kind of freak me out as a kid, but not so much that I, you know, turned it off. I was always kind of like, eh, I don't really need to rewatch this. Although, that's a mistake. I should have been watching this my entire life. <laughs> me too. I totally agree. I feel like uh, that box cover kind of ruined it, ruined uh, the opportunity. And it's a perfect example of a misleading box cover. Uh, because it, it, yeah, it shows her all aggressive on the front, looking demonic. And while she was a little bit, that's not all this movie's about. No. But I, I do have to point out a movie from the 80s that reminded me, while I was watching this, um, a, a Chinese horror film from the 80s. And if you've never seen, I know you haven't seen this, but uh, maybe some of our audience members have. Um, I had the honor and privilege of seeing this film at the Arrow Theater a couple of years back for their horror-thon, their all-night horror-thon. And if you're not familiar with what that is, back when we used to go to movie theaters, the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica would put on a, like, from 7 o'clock at night till 7 in the morning, 12-hour horror-thon and show well-known movies like The Blob and Halloween 3, but then they show really obscure films as well. And one of them that they showed was a movie called Devil's Fetus. <laughs> and it's a possession <laughs> movie. And that's why I thought of this as, I'm like, oh, this is like a possession film and it's really creepy and bizarre. It came out around the same time. Anyways, the plot of that movie is this uh, woman goes to a flea market and and she buys a vase and she sticks the vase up her hoo-ha and the vase is possessed and it the demon goes inside her body and then it goes around and hopping in different people throughout the movie at one point it goes into a dog uh, and it goes into the dog because the dog is licking the woman under her dress and the demon goes from the the, the woman's is, is this like is this like like hentai <laughs> did you watch hentai <laughs> no dude it's it's a straight up 80s Chinese horror film and I remember like jaw dropped watching this I think Diallo might have actually gone and watched it with us as well uh, David Wild. Alvarado did I know that and at, we were like looking at each other going holy shit this is bizarre but there were just moments in this in uh, Ninja 3 that I was like oh that reminds me of Devil's Fetus so Devil's Fetus <laughs> if you've never seen it enjoy and you're welcome <laughs> oh man I need to see that oh dude uh, you're gonna right, love it let's Let's uh, dig into the rest of the cast. Uh, we've already talked about <laughs> Lucinda Dickey and really? show. <laughs> so who else is left for us to even talk about? James Hong. Yeah, right. <laughs> Caught right. <laughs> who I, of course, love. We all love as as low pan, obviously. But uh, he is also uh, the reason behind, you know, my my Seinfeld podcast being called Cartwright because of the the Chinese restaurant episode. And uh, I always loved him, uh, him yelling Cartwright. So, look, yeah, look, I, <laughs> I mean, love it. He if you look up his resume, I thought Eric Roberts was in more movies. This guy, James Hong. I think I think it should be he should be called James. I will not turn down any role as long as it's not X-rated Hong, because he's been in everything you can think of, and the guy is like ninety years old or close to that, and he's been in just his resume. I know you're probably looking his resume up right now. How many? Well, I'm actually looking up David Chung's resume, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the the thing is with James Hong, there's actually um, I saw an article circulating the social media threads. I think the last week, and I think people are talking about him having he's like has one of the most 
like the highest count resume um, uh, IMDb credits like ever. Like he's got the most, he's, he's pushing it. Like he's getting the most credits out there. So, uh, and I think somebody's pushing for him to get a, a star on the walk of fame. And I'm like, yes. he doesn't have one already. Well, what the fuck? First off, Hollywood is trash. But it's just it's amazing that he doesn't have a, a, a Walk of Fame star yet. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, he he's and it's funny because he's playing it. He's a Chinese. He's a ch- Chinese uh, uh, actor who is playing a Japanese uh, person in this movie, which I can imagine to James Hong at the time might have been a little bit like, OK, do we all just look the same or something? Yeah, there's a couple moments in this movie where I'm like. I'd really like to know if they're really speaking Japanese or if they're just making up a bunch of shit. Well, because the the subtitles just say uh, foreign language spoken. So <laughs> it, it doesn't know. even say Japanese no. language spoken. Now, uh, Sho Kasugi, I believe, is Japanese. So I would imagine uh, it is all correct. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely... Yeah, it, it's not PC, that's for sure, uh, but no, nothing from canon probably ever is. Um. <laughs> no, and we need to remind, and I think people appreciated it the last time when we talked about Trading Places, you got to put this movie into context. Like, yeah. And again, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you're not offended by any of the things that we talk about because, look, the 80s were a wild time, and there was it was the Wild West. The Wild West, bro. Like you could do no wrong in any direction, and uh, <laughs> and and look, there's gonna it's, it it's yeah yeah. Uh, I I'm I'm <laughs> I want to hold my tongue a little bit because I there's scenes coming up in the movie where I'm like, oh, I'll get to that feeling when we we get there. But yeah, dude, like I know you're gonna talk about another cast member in the movie, but but this is one of the few films that we can point out that the the cast is. Uh, it's not, it's not well stacked in the like who's who department. It's more like the, no. like I said, who department. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. Like you watch a movie like this and in a weird way, it almost makes you realize, Oh, what, do, why do we put so much stock in these big names when so many other actors can deliver the goods just fine and they don't have to be a big name, you know? Yeah. Like me, damn it. <laughs> put, me exactly. in, put me in a cartoon come on it's just a voice put, put, you don't even see the person's face put me in coach i'm ready to play okay, seriously uh, um let's uh obviously uh, like as we said earlier jordan bennett uh plays uh, billy secord and yeah he doesn't he doesn't have much that i particularly know um and he doesn't actually like have a lot period although he was in two episodes of too close for comfort which was a tv show that i did watch and he was also in bj and the bear which is another good one but uh it's just says it alone it it says a lot also when that that jordan bennett does not have uh an imdb picture up so that's yep that's uh that's and then of course uh uh david chung is using his uh ninja three picture as his uh, well unfortunately david chung passed away back in 2006 but uh it's his ninja (laughs) three picture that's that's up there but he was actually in repo man as the sheriff oh <laughs> I, I love how you're like you're gonna go further with that. I, I love like, I love oh. how you're like you're right about to set up a joke and then you're like, oh, but he's dead, so I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I know. I was, I was like, oh, let me let me roll that back because I'm I'm criticizing the the man for having for having a shitty picture and I'm like, oh, he passed away a few years ago. Let's cut him some slack. It's like saying Wings Hauser is dead when he's not. <laughs> 
Oh, people, don't don't listen to everything Twitter tells you guys. Um, and uh, let's let's finish off with the the director, Sam Furstenberg. Sammy, Sammy. I mean, breaking, breaking, dude. Like you know, breaking is one of those movies that uh, that doesn't get a lot of attention. But Sam Furstenberg is he's probably one of the godfathers of canon films. Yeah, dude. It's it's uh, well. First off, uh, I think he only did Breaking Two, not the first one. That's right, Breaking uh, Two, Electric Boogaloo. But he did, he did do Revenge of the Ninja. He did direct American Ninja and Avenging Force and American Ninja Two. So I, I believe that it was, you know, he didn't write the movie, but like he, I think it was his idea to kind of keep doing ninja movies, like moving forward. Whether yeah. he was the one that changed the ending to Ninja Three or not, um, or if it was, you know. Uh, uh, the the producers or, or whatever, but I believe that that he he had an idea of where he wanted to go, and he had to retool it with American Ninja, which is kind of weirdly the fourth one in the series, even though none of them are, are at all connected. They're not all. They're none of them are really connected at all. It's so funny that this is called Ninja Three. It's like House Four, which is not even really a house movie. But yeah, it's just so weird, man. Like. They're just action movies, you know. Mike, yeah, Michael Dudikoff became the faceplate of canon for a while, rightfully so, because the guy is a yeah. kick-ass actor and killer martial artist uh, for what he does. He's he's so good at what he does. But um, yeah, man, like th- this this movie, this is a standalone, you know, martial arts flick, and it's cheesy as fuck, and it's but it's super entertaining, and and I'm 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 excited to jump into it. Yeah, me too. And just real quick to tag on what you're saying, it should have just been called Ninja the Domination, right? Like Ninja yeah. colon the Domination. Yeah, because in the first one, neither of the other two were called Ninja One, Ninja Two, and right. Just, just, just don't put a bunch of don't put Roman numerals on anything anymore. Just, just let it be a standalone. Come on, <laughs> follow follow it's, John Carpenter route and just go straight up standalone film. It almost reminds me of that Bill Cosby movie, Leonard Part 6, where there were no parts one through five in front of it. <laughs> and as a kid, I was always perplexed by that. <laughs> oh, Bill Cosby. Oh, Bill Cosby. Ghost dad. Oh. <laughs> well, let me see what's going on over here. I'm a ghost, and I'm going to be a daddy until your ghost and the jello and the pudding and the And hoo-hoo. the jello and the pudding. And, and yeah, you don't know I'm here because I just ghosted you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the sleeping pills. <laughs> yeah, and the roofing and, and the denial. Denial is not an island and not a river. And, never mind. <laughs> oh, oh, Bill. Bill Cosby. Again, 80s, 80s. <laughs> I, I clearly have to point out uh, many, many times we have a painting of Chuck Norris on our wall. And people are like, oh, you like Chuck Norris? I go, I like 80s Chuck Norris. 80s yeah. Chuck Norris. Yeah. I don't like 90s and post 90s i'm just it's 80s chuck norris period hey man i still love the cosby show i think it's a great show and it, it's a goddamn shame that it's gonna just get just you know fade away into into the history books and you know a lot of talented people worked on that show and it yep. had a lot of good messages and a, and a very uh positive show and it's sad that it's it's marred by one person you know and off in the entire cast, you know what I mean? Like it's it's sad. So all that shit, man. Look at like like look at uh, Fat Albert and picture pages, and yeah. you know all that great content for for kids and families. And now it's just got a big asterisk next to it. It's like yep. you know, uh, Mark McGuire. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, you know, then he had a. I think uh, wasn't he with like St. Louis when he won the World Series and like, but then he got Fuck busted for I steroids. Know. I don't know. I don't watch baseball. <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna come back back to come back to the domination. <laughs> All right, buddy, you ready to jump into this shit, man? Oh, I'm so ready. <laughs> I know you. Actually, are. this discussion is perfect for Ninja Three because it's all over the place. That's that Just is like true. <laughs> all right, man, let's do this. He is the most feared and powerful warrior, a ninja who breaks from ancient tradition and explodes onto America. His soul possesses the body of an innocent woman and transforms her into a lethal assassin. Only hope, the Master Ninja. Where Revenge of the Ninja left off, Ninja 3 begins. An epic struggle of superhuman strength and supernatural forces. Ninja 3, The Domination. Ah, oh, buddy... Can I just say, every single time that that Canon Group logo pops up, my heart is just full of joy. It's so good. It's so good. Man, so, you know, I I guess, like, that that synth synth artist gunship, you know, uses Mm. their, they do a variation on that logo. That logo is just so dope. It's so dope. It's so good, man. And I've seen people with shirts of that. We, We both need Canon shirts, bro. Yeah, I made a um, – there's a lapel company. I forget what they're called, but if you go on Etsy and you just type in Canon logo lapel, they make a little Canon logo pin. It's so cool. They, like, make a Vestron one too. I think it's Vestron. Oh. Yeah, I think it's Vestron. That's, that's uh, another great logo is Vestron. Vestron, lightning video. Uh, but Canon, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it before in previous episodes. If you haven't listened yeah. to those, we encourage you to go back and listen to all <laughs> of our episodes and become a Patreon subscriber. I think we, I think every movie that we do from Canon starts the same way. I, I or you reminisce on how much we love it. And then we both talk about other logo. It's the exact same conversation every time. And it's not cut and paste folks. And and, and, yeah, invariably one of us will go. I love it so much. Um, All right. So actually getting into the movie. Uh, the movie opens with a car driving through what I thought was maybe Simi Valley or Palm Springs, but I found out later that the movie was pretty much shot in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. So I thought the like I thought this was like Palm Springs, the the golf course or or whatever you know it was. But uh, this so is yeah, Phoenix, so Arizona, all... on the way to Tacoma. Is Sorry. that what it said there? No, it's a lyric from oh. a "Take It Easy" by the Eagles. Oh. Phoenix, oh, Arizona, yeah. on the way to. Oh yeah, Even good call. Know good call, buddy. Right. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, all right, all right. Cool. <laughs> I hate that song uh, actually. The the car pulls over and a guy in a white suit gets out and sort of like walks into the 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 rocks, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. basically into like a cave. 
Um, Inside the cave, he finds a treasure chest of sorts, some, some sort of chest that's kind of built into the cave ground. And as he opens it like it's like a light is coming out very reminiscent of what repo man right with the trunk and everything and lights coming out and he's basically has a whole cache of weapons available to him right there and including his his ninja dress and right out of the gate man i think this is fucking cool as shit yeah it's cool it's like supernatural freaky you know it's Again, you gotta you gotta let go of the cheese factor. Yeah, it's like a it's a it's a table light. It's silly, uh, but but it's you like, know what? It's cool. The concept is cool. Yeah, I mean, like, all right, what is the alternative here? So they they say, okay, he just opens his trunk and gets everything out. Great. That I mean, that would have worked too, and that I believe is something that w- we would have seen probably in the '90s or something. But they they went with the more interesting and exciting option to go with this weird fantastical sort of thing and i think it's the better choice i think it's the re one of the reasons this movie holds up so well is because they go with the crazy instead of the normal you know yeah, and agreed. right out of the gate you're like oh okay so we're already dealing with some like fantastic ideas here you know it's, it's not just going to be your run-of-the-mill ninja movie <laughs> like what is a run-of-the-mill ninja movie right this is going to be supernatural Super, super duper. Just like Gary Cooper. <laughs> that was my that was my young Frankenstein. Super duper. I was going with like an 80s toy reference and you're bringing it back to a movie I've actually never seen. Yeah. Oh my. Okay, that's wow. My, that's this my is choice. A, that's my choice. I, you know, like, okay. All right. And no, All it's right. not that like I don't like it. I'm just like, if I got a choice of Mel Brooks movies, it's not on the top of my list. That's me personally, but you know. Okay. I, ironically enough, that is my favorite Mel, Gip- Mel Gibson. I know. Mel, Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> and what's your favorite Mel Gibson movie? <laughs> uh, Mad Max, Lethal of Weapon. course. Oh, Lethal Weapon. Mad Max. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, we are 40 minutes in and we are off the rails already. <laughs> um, we cut Welcome to... to- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Podcasting After Dark. <laughs> we come to a, a golf course, and we see, like, a, a guy getting ready to play, and I guess he's with his wife or something. She's pretty hot, by the way. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and some agreed. And some guards, guards around him, so he, he, must be, he must be somebody, you know, somebody special. Um, the guy playing golf, he kind of... <laughs> it must be something, you know. <laughs> hot wife, guards, he's somebody, right? You don't need to know. Oh, we do find out that he's a scientist. I'll I love that, that we find out later that he's a scientist. He looks nothing like a, he looks like a linebacker, no. former football player, yeah. Uh, yeah. slash, you know, senator. And he's like, and so he's playing golf, and he hits like the ball into the rough, and he's like, "Hey guys, can you can someone help me find it?" So his security guards are out there looking for the golf ball. It's like, oh man, you're supposed to be doing this as a golfer. You're supposed to be doing that, buddy, not your security guards. But a scientist I, wouldn't be that big of a dick. No, I don't think so either. But I love the security guard who finds the ball and the ninja. It's like he finds a golf ball and there's a ninja right there. But Behind I do love that, yep. that security guard's mustache. He looks like he was, I guarantee you, no clue who that guy was, but I guarantee you that first security guard is an ex-football player because he looks like a football player. The ninja picks up the ball, and the guy's like, hey, give it back. And the ninja, ninja crushes it in his hand. I love that. I was like, yeah, you take that golf ball. You get crushed. Did you ever? Have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever tried to crack a golf ball open? 
No, have you? Yeah, oh yeah. They've got like there's like poison poisonous liquid inside it. Ew. Yeah. Ew. So yeah. are you poisoned now? Maybe. I mean, I'm still alive, and that was <laughs> when I was a kid. You know, meanwhile, all the little shits in my neighborhood were like doing horrible things to animals and creatures, like you know, pulling the legs off of da- of of uh, uh, pulling the legs off of a what do you call it? daddy long legs or sticking a firecracker in a lizard's mouth. And I was like repulsed by all that pouring salt on a snail. But, you know, oh, I would yeah. do other uh, weird things like crack open golf balls and try to and explode baseballs. And, you know, I, I think the craziest thing we did was uh, put like something in a Coke bottle and, and you know, uh, make the Mentos? make the make it explode essentially you yeah, know doing like what, a science experiment <laughs> i guess but i mean we we did it in the woods so you know but i was uh, surrounded you know, by we didn't fucking blow off a freaks man i was surrounded by all those <laughs> yeah torturous weirdos thank god i didn't turn i mean because because like that's like a serial killer thing like if you're killing like animals as a kid like you, you were surrounded by serial killers i was and i survived you did. You survived, and now, forty years later, we're doing podcasting after dark and unlock <laughs> un- unpacking all of this trauma that you had. I love it. I love it. Uh, uh, the the ninja quickly dispatches that guard. He dispatches another guard, and then the the scientist and his wife try to get away. Uh, the ninja grabs the golf cart and kind of holds it. I did like how the scientist like tell like tells his wife, she's like, run, run. I was like, that's yeah. nice. You know, he didn't just push her into the way or something, but you know, spoiler alert, she doesn't get very far. She kind of gets uh, sliced down, which I, again, I was like, Ooh, this movie's starting out strong, like killing the, killing the innocent bystander and everything. I was like, yeah, do it, man. Do it. Ninja dude. And he literally, uh, and then- he kills everyone. Or in his past. Yeah. Everyone. Ev- everyone. He is a true bad guy, which is honestly really fucking cool, man. This 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 movie really doesn't hold back. Like, the only thing that holds it back is its budget and things like that. But yeah. this movie wants to do everything. And, you know, it wants to push the envelope. Um, so basically, and then now he kills uh, the scientist guy. And then kind of you know goes off and runs off but two security guards find the bodies and call the cops now i this is supposed to take place in la right this is not supposed to be phoenix i don't know i mean because you can see the the license plate clear as day throughout that is true so they don't and they don't name it you know so well they do at some point go to the glendale cemetery though (laughs) 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 i must make zach die (laughs) which uh I mean, is there a Glendale, Arizona? I'm not familiar, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. I mean, there's an Oakland, California, and there's an Oakland, Michigan. So there's there's likely, a Hollywood, Florida. So yeah, you know, which is yeah. trash too. But no offense. Yeah. So I, I love the fact that that you know, if it is L.A. and I thought that was Palm Springs, I love the fact that the cops from L.A. are like driving all the way up there. But you know, it's okay. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, cops. They they kind of start converging on the golf course and start chasing the ninja down in their cars and motorcycles. Uh, the ninja jumps on the roof of one car and he like kills the the passenger cop by slicing his sword down and then he freaking punches the driver through the ceiling of the cop car and punches him like yeah dude like it, it's hit after hit it's freaking 
awesome. Uh, he like the ninja then kills like one of the motorcycle cops, and he like kicks the other one off his bike. Now there's a helicopter flying overhead, and I mean it's it's uh, it's like escalating, you know. Uh, the ninja climbs up a tree and kind of like he's at the top of like a palm tree, sort of like near the helicopters under. Um, what are those like the landing skids or whatever they are. And it's a really cool stunt because he climbs onto it. He climbs onto the, the skids underneath and he, he, let's see, first off he throws one guy off like there. So there's, Two, there's one pilot and then two other cops in the helicopter. He throws one guy off. Then while the other guy's looking for him, he takes a throwing star in his boot and throws it into the pilot's head. But I love when he does that, the other cop says, hold on, I'll get him, as like a freaking throwing star is sticking right out of his friend's head. I mean, that guy's yeah. dead, you yeah. know? And then uh, he stabs that cop and throws him into the water too. And then the helicopter kind of like spins off and blows up behind a mountain. They didn't... They didn't crash a real helicopter but the thing is i was never expecting them to in this scene you know but other than that so far the stunt work has been very very solid like the only thing holding it back is the budget yeah a couple things i noticed during the scene during these this scene is um the motorcycle the, the scene where he punches the hole into the cop car the, the camera sped up almost like benny hill style where it's like yeah or like or Mad Max style, I always refer to it as. Oh, yeah, sure. Or Benny Hill style. But uh, depending on if you want to go serious or not serious, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then the, the the amount of guy liner that the ninja has on is, is very sexy. It's very sexy. Yeah. Yeah, so, so the bad ninja right now, and it's weird because he's called the black ninja, and that's what he's credited as, yet his outfit is kind of like a tannish gray, and then the good guy, Shokasugi, is wearing black, So, but yet he's not the black ninja. So they're kind of just referring to this ninja's heart is, is black and evil. Um, so, but he so does, he, his eyeliner game is very, very strong in this movie. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> And apparently, if they're calling him Black Ninja and he's bad, then they are racist. <laughs> That's racist. Um, <laughs> so now, like, so he's in the, you know, he's in this pond area. Um, I love how there's people, other golfers in the background, just like watching all of this transpire. Yeah, what's going you know? on? Where's Judge Smales? There's a shot of two cops floating in the water, face down. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And the guy's like, come on, I'm on the back nine. I need to finish my game. I need to finish my game so I can get back to, to whatever the hell I'm doing. Uh, so he's he's in the water now, and the cops are kind of checking the water. And one cop kind of sees, like, a reed, one of those reeds in the water move. And he's like, huh, let me investigate. And then, boom, the reed shoots out, like, some kind of dart, and it hits him right in the eye. Uh, the cop kills him right in the eye. And let me tell you, everything in this movie, it's like the the encyclopedia of, of ninjas, like everything in it is, is shit that I've read about or seen. I'm like, Oh, I know this, the, the reed trick in the water, breathing through the reed and everything. Like, it's like they took every single thing you could possibly do with ninjas and just do it all. Like at least once, you know? Yeah. And he has every weapon and tool that was in the back of every Kung Fu magazine back in the day that you could order for, you know, for cheap. Like I wanted all that shit. I wanted those boots with the, with the toe where I didn't even know you could yeah. put a throwing star between your toes like that. It was so dope. And uh, I wanted good climbing claws and uh, I wanted, you know, all that good shit. 
And, dude, I, I'm with you. It's like, even though I didn't love ninja movies as a kid, I didn't go out of my way to watch them, I still thought ninjas were cool. Like, I, I obviously, I always loved Snake Eyes. I love Storm Shadow. Honestly, I, I liked how they looked. I liked their little booties with the, the, the toe. I thought that was cool as shit, you know? I thought everything about a ninja was cool. I just didn't love ninja movies, you know? And I think that's why I sort of gravitated towards The Hunted in the 90s because it was a little bit more realistic, but it still didn't sort of satisfy any kind of any kind of itch. But now that I'm watching this, I realized there was no need to satisfy an itch. Ninja Through the Domination satisfies everything. So, like, I sh- again, I should have just been watching this the entire fucking time. <laughs> um, so the ninja sort of runs into an opening, like like a field, and this is like... You know, this is desert sort of fields type of stuff. So there's like brushes and cactuses and stuff around. Um, but he gets surrounded by a ton of cops. They just start like shooting him and, and gunning him down. And But he's also like slicing them up too. Like he seems to be able to take a ton of damage, you know. And cops just keep showing up and they keep dying. He just, he just straight kills all of them. And then they, they finally, like, sort of unload on him, and he finally drops. His body's sort of in the middle of a pile of a bunch of dead cops, you know? Uh, the remaining cops converge on on the ninja, and this is also including, like, the cops that are going to become the targets later. Billy Secord, all, the rest of them, like, all the ones that we're going to sort of see are now the guys that are sort of there. And, you know, the the the, the black one with the cigar and everything, the, the bike cop and everything. And, uh, uh, you know, they he starts killing some people. They start shooting him. And then he throws down, like, a smoke bomb and disappears. And the cops are like, oh, no, where, you know, where is he? But he's, like, right in the middle of him when he throws it down, you know? And so the cops all kind of disperse. And then the ninja crawls out of a hole in the dirt where he threw down the smoke bomb. I was like, that was cool as shit, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, and I want to point out the fact that the one motorcycle cop has his cigar in his mouth the whole time when he's shooting. Yes. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty amazing. I, I wonder if um, Apone was... Uh... <laughs> I was thinking that, or I was thinking Cigar Face from Toxic Avenger. They call mm. me Cigar Face. Like, yeah. The, why do you have a pirate's voice, and why do they call you cigar? Oh, okay, sure. Arr. Well, this guy's not a pirate. This guy is a motorcycle cop. Yeah, and I want to yeah. also point out, like, I actually have a lot of sympathy for all these cops. They're trying to kill this fuck, and he yeah. won't die. And I'm like, you know, what ends up happening later to all these characters? I'm like, that's not cool. That's not cool. It's not cool. Yeah, not cool. I mean, honestly, they were only doing their job. Again, it's it's kind They're of only a following weird movie. Orders. Be- <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, and and it's again, it's kind of a weird movie because, you know, like uh, we're we're gonna look at these cops as sort of the bad guys later through someone else's eyes, but. They're not technically, you know, and that's yeah, that's none the of them that's are bad. No, it's it's not. They're not. It's just we we see them through the eyes of uh, the black ninja who is gonna soon go inside of uh, of, of Christie. He's gonna um, go up inside Christie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so but that one scene though that we we just saw 
they're going to keep cutting back to it. Um, and, and one thing to note is that Billy, like, so you can see all the cops that are going to eventually become targets. It's all the cops that are left that, that didn't get killed by him. Um, but you do not see through his eyes. He can't see Billy Secord because he's kind of in shadows. And yes. that's what plot wise, that's going to be what allows sort of Billy to get close to, to Christie. But they're going to constantly cut back to this scene and reference it and be like, oh, this is the guy from that scene. So he's going to get killed, you know. Um, but we do cut to Christie. She's kind of get, getting ready to climb her telephone pole because she is a uh, what a. Uh, a, a utility person, I guess. Utility person, yeah. yeah. And and she and, she legit uh, trained how to do that, which is really yeah. badass. You know, I I wasn't sure if that was her when they were showing the the backside of her climbing, but they she said that yeah they took her downtown downtown L A and, and trained her. I think um I actually know where the school where you where you learn that it's over on like Washington and Hill, like right around the courthouse down there. Oh, but, uh, really? Because they have a bunch of um uh just you know telephone poles like a bunch of them in in like a yard, and then that's where they learn how to climb them. It's actually pretty cool. Um, I've seen them do it before, and honestly, like hey man, props to people who do that because that looks dangerous as fuck and yes. uh I, I couldn't do that so props to anyone who can do that totally agree and i love how like she wanted to do like you said earlier she wanted to do a ton of her own stunts and the producers were like no 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 you can't do your you know you, no we're not gonna have you do your stunts we're gonna have this guy do your stunts who looks yeah. nothing like you even when you drive a van a yeah. guy with facial hair I saw the guy with the haircut of a woman <laughs> jumping out of the window and I'm like later on I'll call it out again but I was like yeah that's not Lucinda Dickey that's just a dude like you're just straight up trying to pass off a dude yeah, as no. he's jumping towards it's the, the camera I'm like okay okay it's cool, the worst. Cool, cool, cool. yeah but uh as she's you know up on the pole doing her thing she looks down and much to her surprise, because who would expect this, sees a ninja st- like stumbling through th- the brush, <laughs> you know? Like, huh, that's a, that's a ninja down there. What are you, you going to do about that, you know? How do you process that? That's like seeing a like Sasquatch or something, like a ninja. Okay, cool, ninja. <laughs> I do like that she goes down to help him, though, you know? That's kind of nice of her. Yeah, you know, if you just see, you know, what, what would you see in the desert? You might see... You know, homeless person, a drifter, you know, a coyote, coyote and uh, or, you know, a ninja or or a ninja that's been shot to shit. True. <laughs> uh, but she so she goes kind of to to investigate, you know, and he gets a little bit of a jump on her and they do like a little bit of tussle. And, and he seems like he he wants to kind of kill her. He's kind of strangling her, but she breaks free and starts to run away. But as he's on his knees, he kind of calls out to her uh, speaking Japanese. He, he doesn't you know speak any English, which I like because uh, like you he gets the point across in this yep. scene. But he calls out to her like kind of like pleading, you know, you can tell he's sort of pleading and she's she stops. And she's like, okay, and and sort of goes back to him, you know, and and kind of like like what's you know what's this all about? Yep. And uh, uh, when she walks over to him, she kind of like goes down on her knees, and they're having like this moment, which I actually really really like. And you know, he has a sword in his hand, and he kind of hands it off to her. And while while he's still holding it and everything, and they look at each other in their eyes, and then. You can tell that something gets transferred. You know, you can tell that there's something that happens there. And uh, he kind of falls down, but she's still holding the sword. 
Yep. And then like kind of like a strong wind kind of hits her. So a demon wind, as it were. So that's why you know something's happening to her. And she sees the faces of all those last cops that uh, that killed her. And that's how the first act ends. And that's at the 17-minute mark. So that whole first act of the ninja killing a bunch of cops and shit, that's like almost, almost what, a, a quarter of the entire movie. Maybe even, oh shit, maybe even like a third of it. It's crazy. Anyway, is my math wrong? It doesn't matter. You get the point. I have an hour and a half movie. 20 minutes is this opening part. And that's wild, dude. Yeah, it, it's like it's not the it's not the best uh, overall fight scene, but it's comedic and bonkers and everything you would want in a B level movie. So it's got that. And then, you know, when uh, Christy pops up on the scene, you're like, oh, she's cool. She's really cool. Oh, and she's really hot, too. So we see her right now. And we're at the we're at basically cut to the police station and Christie's at the police station giving her statement to a detective. And she says she you know, she's the one that found the dead body. And I love how he's like, how do you know it was dead? And she, or he was dead. And she's like, I didn't check the, the pulse. Like, I'm not a paramedic. It's terrible, terrible dialogue. Oh, he's the worst. The guy playing the detective is the worst. He's, He's worse than she is, and she admittedly, the actress herself, admittedly has like no acting experience at this point. Yes, like in her life, this is her first role, and she's got terrible dialogue that a good actor would be like, "Oh my god, this dialogue is terrible." And honestly, she's crushing it. She's crushing the terrible dialogue. She's I will good. say, yeah, I thought her arms looked amazing. She has some guns on her. Yeah, I mean, if this was like 1990s, she would be a WWE diva. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, I see I see what you mean. She kind of had that sort of fit style body to her and everything. But I, I mean, mean, which is not a bad thing at no, all. No, 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 no. And, and <laughs> we're looking I'm looking at her through, you know, my eyes of me as a teenager or a kid when I'm walk, watching this. And while there's no nudity in this movie, I find her to be incredibly sexy and there to be some incredibly sexy scenes in this movie. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever look at a V8 again <laughs> oh god we're gonna get to that buddy we yes, are gonna we will. get there oh uh, so billy billy secord he walks over and he lays it on thick you know um he tells the lieutenant to cut her some slack you know he's like he's like he hands her a coke which is weird because it was already open you know and she yeah. says She's like, no, thanks. I don't use soft drinks, which I don't I use was soft drinks. Yeah. Weird sort of choice Drunk. words dialogue yeah. right there. Uh, she goes to leave and, and Billy, he really lays on the, the charm extra hard right now. And he's really trying to get her number and everything. Um, but she doesn't bite. And uh, she says she doesn't uh, date cops. And so she leaves the, the precinct. And let's just say real quick, dude, the guy, the guy who plays Billy Secord, I think he's got it right he's got the look i think he like face wise i think he can act but man when he takes off his shirt and that hair comes out you realize that that's what held him back the entire time from being a star because i was like if you just look at his head i'm like this guy's got leading man or like maybe like low budget leading man abilities but he's he's got it he's got something but man when that shirt comes off and that hair comes out whoo boy I'm gonna I'm gonna 180 beg to differ on you. I think the only okay. thing he's got going for him is the 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 the, the <laughs> obscene uh, body hair 
And he's got the generic, like, uh, you know, sitcom look face. He looks like Marcy Darcy's husband on uh, on uh, Married with Children. But I like that guy more. Uh, that guy was the, also the on a first, show called It's the first the one. The first one, yeah. the not yeah. not uh, not not the later one, right? Not Ted. I kill every sitcom McGinley. Uh, yeah. um, the, no, the guy, the original Marcy Darcy husband. I forget his yeah. name, but yeah, he was also on a show called It's Your Move, Jason Bateman's first uh, sitcom that he was ever on. Mm. Just really badass, starring this chick who was in a movie called She's My Tutor, which was a great '80s kind of sex comedy. So, uh, and not sex sex dramedy, I guess. Anyways, yeah. Speaking of Jason Bateman, I totally forgot he was on Hogan Family. Yeah, Hogan Family, and before that, he was called he was on it's it's your move, which was a great show, great sitcom. But no, this guy has like that to me. He's got that generic look, just like he looks like everybody. And he, yeah, he comes on. He's such a tool bag, man. And he's got a he's got his you know his clincher with her coming up in the car. Where I'm like, you're scumbag, dude. You are you are the epitome of the Me Too movement, man. And and yes, and we we are definitely going to talk about that scene when we get to it. Um, and yeah, his character is is very lame. I think I was just kind of going off on like the actor himself, but yeah. his Billy Secord has a lot of problems uh, uh, that they're trying to shove into like a love interest. And wow, yeah, I mean the character Billy Secord has a lot of problems. So he's, that's, he's you're, got you're not couple... wrong there. No, he's got some moments. Where he kind of redeems himself. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, well, we'll get to we'll that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get see. to that. So, so Christy parks her van uh, in like an alley sort of downtown. You don't really, at first you don't really know what it is, but it's like, it's an alley in like an industrial area almost. Yeah. And uh, she, she parks the van, opens it up and takes out the gear out of the back, including the sword. But you find out that this is actually her apartment that she's going into. And, I could honestly do a three-hour podcast just on the awesomeness that is her apartment. Dude, I mean, where do we even begin? It's like it's got levels to it, but yet it's not like, you know, a multi – it's not like a two-story apartment, but it's got some kind of like up – like walkway levels to it. It's got an arcade machine in it. It's got a an 80s uh, – what is that artist? Nagel. 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 Yeah, I, I had, she's got one one of those prints in there. I'm like, yep. well, you know it's 1984 if you have a Nagel print in there. And by oh, the way, by the it, way, as an artist, I always like Nagel's style, and I still think his artwork looks amazing. Well, his I had I didn't have that specific Nagel print, but I had some Nagels back in the day. I wish I still had those. That's mm-hmm. a long story for another podcast. Um, but her Nagel is dope, dude. Like the the yeah. the uh, the lenses on the. Uh, if you don't know who Nagel is, just look up. He, he, did, he designed a lot of uh, Duran Duran album covers, uh, but but um, the, the the model on the Nagel print has like these cool reflective lenses. Yeah, the video game, which is called like Bouncer, I think, yeah. uh, and which was a real game that 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 didn't actually get mass produced. They the yeah. company who made it, I guess it went out of business or something but it was gonna be a real game but it didn't get mass produced it's so dope that she has that i I wrote down like oh she's got a cinder block walled um apartment it looks like a concrete jungle it's yeah yeah like if you took everything down you'd just be like oh this place is this place sucks but yeah the 80s are all over this place it's beautiful those are i think those are the coup de gras the arcade machine and the nagel for sure yeah 
And ju- and like I, I mean I like the the like you said the the concrete and everything. Um, when I lived in downtown L.A. for a stint, um, I had a friend who had you know an apartment with like the brick walls and everything. I was like, that's I wish I always I always wanted that. I always wanted the apartment with like the the actual brick wall and everything. I feel yeah. like I just feel like that's very downtown L.A. You know. Yeah, I think I feel like they probably shot this in downtown L.A. or on a soundstage or something. You know. Uh, I do believe this is a sound a soundstage because later uh, the the when she gets sucked into the closet that is hydraulics that it's on so I do think that this is a soundstage or at least okay. that scene was maybe they just did that for the bedroom or something but regardless guys I would say I would honestly say as crazy as this movie is if you've never seen it it's literally worth watching just for her apartment alone oh no doubt. No doubt. It's it's almost like it should have an IMDb credit of its own. But uh, so in her apartment, she's playing an arcade game. Uh, so some time has passed, you can tell. She's playing her arcade game. She is, her and her friend are both dressed up in the most 80s looking leotards you could ever imagine. So I mean, it's like, I mean, this is this was made in the 80s, but it looks like someone from the future made it and said, okay, we got to hit every single 80s trope and theme visually that we can do. And that's why I think this movie is such a great example of this time frame and, and canon movies in general, because it just it has so much, you know, it, it's it's just packed wall to wall with with Xanadu, not the movie, unfortunately, <laughs> Fortunately. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. So she's playing the arcade game. Her friend's on the couch. Uh, They're both wearing awesome 80s leotard outfits, you know. The phone rings. Her friend picks it up before Christy can. And she kind of, like, you can see there's an exchange. She hands the phone to Christy, and she shoots down the guy. We know it's C-Cord, but you don't ever, like, see, you know, him talking or anything like that. Uh, Christy's friend sees the sword, but Christy puts it in the closet. And she's like, all right, you know, we don't got time for this type of thing. Cut to a gym with carpet, a carpeted gym. Yeah. Disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> well, first thing it, first. I, yeah. My first note is carpet in a gym, question mark. That's, that's dis- that almost as disgusting as the meatheads that are checking out all the chicks. Yeah, so so Christy is teaching aerobics, and it's it's one of the worst gyms I've ever seen because yeah, the the dive. aerobics area is like on display. It's right there in the middle, and everyone is like working out on machines around it, but they're all just a bunch of meatheads, and they're all just staring. And I feel like this is what like women's worst fear about going to the gym would be is just a bunch of goons just going being all like just grossly alpha you know and just like pumping iron and just like staring and sweating and while these um, just beautiful looking ladies are, are working out but i'm like why would they even want to go to that gym are there no other options whatsoever and who the fuck allows these goombas to even uh have a membership especially after what happens at you know in a little bit but dude back to the carpet gross <laughs> i hate That's to take a black light to that shit would not want to take a black light to that Oof. oh god oh man um but as she's doing her dance thing we do see billy Billy's there. He's dancing. He's doing his thing with his hairy legs. Oh, man. (laughs) You love your hairy man legs, though. You know that. Bro, and he's wearing, like, a sweatshirt now. So they're really just – they're, like – 
they're building up to the hair. You know what I mean? They're like, it's like we can't just give, uh, you know, can't give the audience full Billy Seacord right away. Like we got to build it up. (laughs) They want to tease it before they really get in there. (laughs) Yeah. And and so like as he's like working out, he can't kind of keep up. With, with her routine, you know, so he kind of lays down on the carpeted floor while everything's still going on around him. But, uh, you know, uh, she's she's a little bit you can she smiles like she after the class, she kind of walks over to him and smiles. And uh, Billy tells her that the guy she found was a professional Japanese assassin. It's like, OK, go just sharing you know <laughs> investigation you know information with with uh with somebody so sure that doesn't seem at all like normal police procedure to me but you know whatever this is the anything 80s. anything to uh to get a little action that's hey that's that's old billy he's, he's gonna he's gonna play his cards you know um <laughs> by the way i guess he used the the, the carpet as a towel to wipe off oh, his god. sweat oh god i mean that makes me literally <laughs> want to vomit bro that carpet oh my god carpet at a gym what the it's f- disgusting <laughs> and i love disgusting. it it's it is like a it is like a ripoff on uh, the 80s movie perfect um john travolta and jamie lee curtis kind of riff where she's the aerobics instructor. If you yeah. don't know, just type in perfect oh. GIF and you'll you'll get a sample of that. I mean, honestly, if you type in Jamie Lee Curtis GIF, you usually get that. And I know because I was looking for, you know, stuff with trading places to post on the Instagram and that one sure. with her dancing and flirting with John Travolta. I kind of just like I'm like, I know this isn't the right thing. But I'm gonna watch this whole jet, <laughs> and I'm gonna watch it a couple times. So, because Jamie Lee Curtis is looking hot in that movie. So Billy, you know, uh, she asked Billy if if he came all the way there to tell her that. And he's like, no, nah. he asked her out for coffee. And she says, coffee's bad for your health. And again, she's kind of like shooting him down. And he, he looks uh, he looks a little bit perturbed by that. He's, he kind of seems to be getting a little bit pissed right now. Um, but she goes to leave the gym. And as she's leaving the gym with a bunch of other people. So it's not like she's leaving by herself. She like no. She's like leaving with her class. Yeah. And then she kind of hears a girl sort of struggling and there's the meatheads from the gym are kind of like doing the high school thing of like, let's pick on you. You know, like I never weirdly, I never got the sense that they were going to do anything more, mainly because it was broad daylight and a billion people were around. I kind of more got the sense that while they were goons, they were a smidge, a little bit more harmless, you know. But but again, they're not at all like like good, you know, at all. Oh, dude, it's. I mean, it's it is it is one step away from a rape. It's as close. It as is you... no. And, and you're right, it is. And I'm I'm not trying to downplay it or anything like that. But there's there's some weirdness to it. But maybe it's just because the actors are a little bit wonky or whatever. But it just for some reason it played a little bit more zany than scary i guess yeah. i should say right yeah, like, like you want yeah. it you want a, like a potential rape scene to sort of be scary right because that's not something that should be you know taken lightly or, or, or joked about but this one was felt like it was a little bit a little bit tongue-in-cheek a little bit too light-hearted you know yeah because like, yeah, they were like hey what's in your bag over here yeah. see what's going on, and, and it's also because she handles it like come on guys leave her alone and you know she takes the bag gives gives it back to the girl and she's like they're harmless just you know it's like almost like it almost had the sense that she had dealt with them before but yeah, then it kind of goes off, a little Ron. bit yeah <laughs> it kind of goes a little bit too too far this time i think and that's why she's got to unleash unleash the fury the of domination. the black ninja 
<laughs> so they now start to, you know, pick on Christy because she intervened and she just straight up whoops all of their asses. Like every single one of them, even the guy that clearly had cold sores on his mouth. And I felt bad oh. for that actor. You know, like I felt I, was I like, don't. I was like, you're an actor and you have cold sores on your mouth. I, I feel bad that that's now mo- memorialized in this movie forever. He's like, I got him from the porn shoot I was on last week. He looked like a porn actor. He yes. really, really did. And but I, the funny, th- hmm? yeah, I was going to point out too the fact that all this, all this ass kicking's going on, and you got you know detective dipshit over here like observing the whole thing, just like, I'm a cop and I could be, uh, you know, intervening, but I'm not going to. Right, and that's what I was going to come to next. So the whole time. Billy Secord's watching it, and I'm like, uh, are you going to, like, intervene because you are a fucking cop? And right? no, Jesus. he uses this opportunity to mock arrest Christy. She's like, he's like, you're coming with me, you know? And I'm like, all of this seems wrong. First off, he's using his power as a police officer to to do things that aren't appropriate that a police officer should do. And it's played very much for a, I'm just a I'm just a normal guy having a good time over here. But if you look at it, and as much as I love this movie, and as much as I don't hate Billy Secord, his character never really looks good in this movie. No, man. Like honestly, this movie does not do uh, the boys in blue a service if anything it's a major disservice yeah he (laughs) looks bad dude he just first of all yeah he arrests her quote unquote and after doing jack shit to protect her which is what he should have done yeah the whole thing's weird man the whole scene is weird it's just it, it 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 doesn't establish him as a uh positive you know uh eventual boyfriend character to her it's just weird it's, the whole thing's yet, weird it's weird it's weird yet spoiler alert she's gonna fall in love with him because yeah. because that's what the script forced upon her <laughs> I totally <laughs> i get reminded of um of uh oh man what's i forget her name but she she was the therapist or whatever on star trek and uh and and the dark hair oh, Dana Troy. Yeah. And she was on that electric boogaloo and she's like, yeah, basically I sat around, uh, uh, they wanted me to be nude in the scene. And even though it didn't call for nudity, I did it anyways. And I sat around a cold set while I was totally naked and everyone else on the set was like, you know, taking a break while I had to lay there on the mattress naked. Yeah. Fun day. Yeah. Fun day at the office. <laughs> yeah. Good, good, Good times, I guess, right? I, I mean, Jesus I, I, I will say that that Lucinda Dickey did not have anything negative to say about her time on this movie, um, and I and I everyone had really positive things to say about the director. He said apparently he was very laid back and sort of easy oh, to get yeah. along with. Now, he didn't do Death Wish too. Yeah, and I don't <laughs> wait. What now? He didn't do Death Wish too. Whoever that guy who did Death Wish too, that I think that was the. I mean, it might have been one of the. Canon guys, you know, the main the producers yeah. are like, wait, no, 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 no. We're doing doing rape scene. This is going to be good. It's contextual. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. OK. Yeah. Wa- guys, watch that documentary. <laughs> we're not, you know, like we're not like making shit up here, guys. You know, no. <laughs> oh, God. So 
you know, they're in the car together, and he's got, like, this, like, sports convertible car. It almost looks like a Miata uh, type of thing, a little small little thing, convertible. And she's, you know, she's in the passenger seat. She's like, if you're, you know, if you're going to arrest me, arrest me. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to arrest you. I'm taking you to my old neighborhood. There's a guy there I want you to beat up. <laughs> and he does, like, the worst <laughs> fucking laugh that I've ever fucking seen in my entire life. Yeah, yeah, totally. He's terrible. <laughs> it's insane. It's, and so... Christy isn't amused by this and tells him to pull the car over. And this is, yeah, this is, uh, this doesn't look good. So Billy gets pissed off and he's like, he's like, you know, I'm getting tired of, of you, you know, basically hating on cops and everything. And she's like, he's like, if you don't want to date me, that's fine. You can just get out right here. So like, let's think about that. Let's roll that back for a second. So he drove her somewhere. At, you don't know where, right? We don't know if it's anywhere near her house and, uh, pretending like he was going to arrest her. He doesn't. He's asking her out. And when she rejects him, he throws a temper tantrum and pulls over and just tells her to leave. Now, this is 1984. There's no there's no Uber. There's no cell phones. There's nothing. <laughs> so she's got to just figure out a way to get home because he's a dickhole. So, yeah, man. And, and, you know, she's like, oh, okay. She gets all like a little bit like, oh, she's turned on I'm, by I'm intrigued, you know, by, yeah. by him now because he's, he's, he's flared up or whatever. And I'm like, why? You don't – he doesn't – his character does not deserve – like your affection or anything, you know? Yeah, first of all, he's a little bitch. He's a little bitch, and that shit would never fly. It just would never fly, man. It's so fucked up. No, and, and like I said earlier, as, as much as I like actually kind of enjoy the actor, um, I, I don't like mind him. Like, I don't oh, like yeah. want to look away. I it's the character. I, yeah. I'm not a big fan of Billy Secord. I mean, he's just he's he's just a woofa loofa, right? No, the, I mean, the guy is like he's in in some ways he's good comic fodder. Like he, right. he kind of lightens up a scene, but uh, yeah, man, he's he's got nothing going on that makes you say, oh, it's more like uh, yeah. And we're gonna Ugh. find out why. There's a lot more uh. So she's like a little bit like, you know, I don't know if she's turned on or well, I guess she is, but yeah, she's, she's like, I don't have any coffee in my apartment, but I do have VA juice. Would you like to take me home? And then Billy smiles. So, you know, he's, he's like, oh, I'm going to get some because my bitchy pouting move worked, I guess. Yeah. So note to kids watching this film, uh, if you really want to score with chicks, be a little asshole to them and you'll get laid. No. That might have worked in 1984, but that does not work in 2020. At I hope all. it doesn't. I sure as shit hope it doesn't. For all all you dudes and dudettes listening, just that shit don't fly. No, no. You, you, you be honorable, guys. Be honorable. Yeah. Be, be a stand up <laughs> uh, guy. It goes far. Exactly. Uh, back at her apartment, Billy's kind of looking around the apartment while Christy showers. Uh, Christy, <laughs> yeah, you of know. course, right? Yeah, sure, of course. Well, well I mean, she, she, just... she did just teach aerobics, so she does need to shower. I mean, I will admit that. Do you think he took a shower? No. Or did he just wipe his body uh, waist off on the rug? Yes, that. Yeah. What you? <laughs> the latter. The latter. Yes. <laughs> um god on that on that carpet at the gym he just added his sweat to uh dead god, skin dead, literally thinking about that carpet makes me want to vomit <laughs> all his dead skin just flayed off god no god geez. actually it's collected in his in his body hair in his hair i know it didn't it didn't go anywhere it's right there <laughs> um, we'll go. we're about hair. to see it too uh christy comes out of the shower but she's in her towel 
you know and uh she puts uh she puts it down and then she kind of like does like a little bit sexy thing with her back you know and uh puts on like a button down shirt and uh she pushes billy on the couch and kind of like straddles him <laughs> i'm like jesus and uh and and says and says he's sexy when he gets angry and they start to make out and i'm like man you're just you're just uh what reinforcing his bad behaviors right there you know just slap a slap a brazzers logo on this at this point because that's basically what this scene is you know i know know. (laughs) well if this was yeah never mind we'll go there but yes exactly (laughs) it's like it's like it's because it's like these two characters are going to have sex no matter what we do to them. They're going to get yeah. to this, you know, yeah. and the actors have to sell it. And uh, producers so, like, look, guys, this is going to be sexy. We need sexy scene. We need a sexy scene for this. So it's going to happen. Look, you need to understand. This is going to be so sexy. Body hair and V8. It's It goes together. It goes together like peanut butter and chocolate, baby. Yes. Yes. You know, it goes together like baklava. So, so she does this, the famous move that, that we all know from this movie, even if you've never seen this movie, chances are you've seen this. She puts the V8 to her neck and lets the V8 like kind of like the juice roll down. And then Billy does this thing where he kind of grabs her and puts her down on the ground and like licks the, uh, the, the juice off of her. And man, oh man, I, I mean... I just know that that's sticky, dude. I'm like, that's yeah, so man. sticky and gross. You First know? of all, V8's disgusting. Yeah, it, it, it you is. Know, I understand it's always been like the, the like, that's that's the healthy drink. It's disgusting. It's, it's tomato It's the disgusting juice. drink. Yeah. The only time V8 goes down decently is if you add vodka to it. <laughs> if, you, if you cut it with vodka. <laughs> good point. Very good point. Uh, cut to later in the night, and Christy and Billy are sort of in bed together. Not sort of. They are. I don't know why I said sort of. And uh, they're asleep, and a gust of wind blows in and wakes Christy up. She sees lights start coming out of her, her closet where the sword is. Then the then then the she opens the closet and the sword is, is hovering there and it floats down into her hands and you can tell that she's like being possessed. And there's like that famous yeah. like shot of like her, her eyes and everything as she's holding the sword. And uh, Billy wakes up and sees her with the sword, but it's kind of like over now. And she says that she was um she says one day she's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hang this one day. And it's it, and there's also this like supposedly subplot where she's obsessed with Japanese culture that her psychiatrist says later. But I don't really get the sense of that, you know, here other than them telling us that, you know what I mean? Like it's you're supposed to show things like a good writing is to show something and not say it. Whereas here they have to tell you later on, like, oh, and you're obsessed with Japanese culture. What is up with that? You know? Yeah. It, yeah. And I just realized something too. Yeah. One, she has nothing on her walls that any tapestries or any right. sort of thing. And the nagel is on, it's not even on the wall. It's on an easel. Like, which yeah. is so random. Yeah. It's really, really weird. And on top of a refrigerator has a giant uh, air conditioning like spindle thing on the very top of her refrigerator. Yeah. That's that's really weird, too. But, yeah, it is what it is. And Billy says, you're full of surprises. Cut to the airport. 
I assumed it was LAX, but, you know, who knows? It might have been Phoenix or whatever. Burbank, perhaps. Or Burbank or, you know, something. Who, who the hell knows? <laughs> uh, we see a Japanese man with an eye patch get off the plane, and he's greeted by three, like, Japanese monk type of people. And he received their letter in Japan, he says. And they have bad news, but we'll discuss later. I, I have to point out, too, the eye patch. Because the eye patch is... It's got a big hole in it in the center. And I'm like, why so does this eye patch? So Shokasugi could see through it. Yes. Um, apparently, it's, it was his idea to wear the eye patch. But I'm wonder, I'm looking at the eye patch. I'm like, why does that eye patch look familiar to me? It is the base. It is the top of the handle right before the blade of a samurai sword. Oh, cool. Oh, it's the hilt. It's like the hilt of it. It's or Yeah, hilt. I know what you mean. The, yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's cool on one hand. On the other hand, I'm like, it's a choice. It's a choice. No, I, no, I think that's cool, bro. I think that's fucking diesel, man. Okay. I got the hilt of a sword right on my eyeball. That's cool. But it is convenient so that Shokasugi can see through it. It does have a slit like right in the middle. And, and I'm going to go into your world building with this. I'm going to say that the eye that he lost, that, that was the hilt of the sword that caused that damage. I love you, but unfortunately, they show later that what causes the damage is a is a throwing star. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna say that. <laughs> go, all right, I'm gonna alter this now. <laughs> it was the sword that he was going to use to block the star, but he unfortunately was not able to use it. And you know what? I love yeah. it. Yeah. There you go. I'll, I'll take that, buddy. I'll t- bro. I got I got no problem with that with that uh, retconning whatsoever. Hashtag I'll go down Zach that will build. Hashtag Zach world build. Yes, I will support your world building any day, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Yes. <laughs> I will be here all week. You're like, I will be. God, I will be. Oh, God, no. Uh, so now Christy's, we cut to like, uh, Christy's on her job with another dude. and uh, But she's kind of like working in the sewer. I guess that happens, right? Yeah, utility worker will, will climb poles and, and go into sewers too, yeah. right? They got to do all that shit. Yeah, so look okay. for alligators and such. <laughs> yeah, look for alligators. Good call, buddy. That's a good one. Or chuds. You know, they got to look for chuds, too. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, alligators, though. Or n- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> hey, yeah, even better. Or sewer sharks. <laughs> guys, or we, mimics. Guys, we could do this all day. <laughs> or mimics. <laughs> or blade. Oh, or mimics, blade two. yeah. Yeah, oh. mimics. Or vampires. I hate that movie, Mimic, by the way. I think that movie sucks. And I love oh, Guillermo del Toro, but I... I, I, I wanted to like it. I, I watch... I watch it, It's weirdly, I watch Mimic like once every five years, hoping that I'll like it. And every time I'm like, nope, still don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> he's, it still, away. He's, he's still trying to find his way. Yeah. Look, Peter Jackson's early shit's not that great either, so... Yeah, yeah, honest. exactly. No, I know, I know. Um, But Billy pulls up in his squad car to tell her... Uh, he has to break their date tonight. He's got to take his partner home or something like that. And uh, she gets out of the sewer to talk to Billy, but sees the partner and has a flashback to when, you know, when the partner killed the ninja. So she knows that he is one of the guys. And that partner, did you recognize him at all? And I don't have an answer for you because I'm legit asking, did you recognize this guy? Yeah, he's he's one of the few guys that has been he's been in a ton of things probably every canon movie but looking in his like imdb he does i don't think he has a picture either and i couldn't figure out who he was but dude i recognize the shit out of him and i can't 
place it, and I can't figure it out at all. He always plays like a, a, a bad guy, kind of thuggish. That's why, like, in a way, he's kind of a sympathetic character. He's just doing his job earlier, trying to defeat this maniac, homicidal maniac, uh, and, he get, and he pays for it. But, yeah, no, he, he's, he's been in a ton of shit. Ton yeah. of shit. I just, I just, yeah, yeah, I couldn't track him. I couldn't track him either. And of course, but of course, he's he's also chomping on a cigar too, you know, yeah. and uh, and like eyeing her up and down. But uh, uh, you know, Billy's taking her, going to take her home, uh, take take his partner home, and Christy kind of just right when they leave, Christy just kind of jumps into the van and and like sort of peels away and and leaves her partner behind, uh, her coworker behind, and uh, follows Christy. them. Christy, Christy, <laughs> no, how am I getting, how am I getting home? <laughs> um, so, uh, let's see. We cut to Christy's apartment, which is kind of weird because she didn't, I, I thought she was just going to go right after them. But from this scene, we cut to Christy's apartment. And this is where we get the first example of her trying to flash dance out the demon. And, and people do, you know, like th- this movie, everyone refers to it as, is, as flash dance meets exorcist meets, you know, uh, a ninja movie. Yeah. And it's true. So she, she tries to dance out the demon, I guess. Right. She's trying to Ooh, dance out the demon. It's a great song title, man. <laughs> it really is. It... Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but legit, like, what is she trying to do here? To, like center herself type of thing. Yeah, I think so. She's trying to like, yeah. You know, when you're, when you're a little kid and you're like, la la la, I don't hear you. man. La la right. la la. Just kind of like like doing something to sort of block out probably the voice of the the ninja in her head, you know, yes. trying to take control or, or Aren't whatever. Are we all okay. trying to block the voice of the ninja out of our head? <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Every every second of the day, man. <laughs> ninja, that ninja be talking, baby. <laughs> Oh God, no! Um, Billy calls, and uh, Christy says that she's feeling weird. And Billy's like, "Just go to sleep. I'll be there in the morning." <laughs> Just go again, to sleep again. He's, he, nothing. He's Douche this guy's bag. got no game whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, Christy looks a little bit perturbed by him, and kind of kind of blows him off. And then he's, and then you know, Billy looks all perturbed and like, "Whoa, what did I do wrong?" Well, maybe it's because you're a jackass. But um, you know, she hangs up the phone. The lights start flickering in her apartment, and mist starts coming out of the, the video game cabinet screen, and then lasers start coming out the video game cabinet screen, this. and sort of like shooting her in the, the face, best. sort of Tron style, a little bit. I got I got vibes of Tron right there, but uh, but but yeah, it's like it's weird. It's like yeah, it's doing like the the scan lines or something on her face, but it's coming out of the of the video game uh, stand up console, like out of the screen of that. Yeah, simple, simple scene. Like, a very simple use of special effects. Obviously, the, the screen to the arcade is not there, and they're shooting the laser through the screen. Yeah. But it works so damn good to me. I think it looks so badass. It's my favorite scene in the movie, honestly. As she's getting zapped in the eyes, uh, a, the sword comes out of the closet, kind of <laughs> circles around her, and good old high def, you can see the cord. Holding the sword. Oh, yeah. You know what? I didn't hate it. I was like, yeah, that's the cord. That's cool. That's cool. (laughs) Hey, but the thing looks glowing. I'm like, that's a badass glowing looking sword. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, I was like, I don't, I'm like, I'm not even mad about that cord. Everything else about this scene is so fucking good. I ain't even mad about it, you know? Look, I, you know, I I forgive boom mics when I see them pop down strings when I popped, because it's, it's, 
It's filmmaking, baby. It's film filmmaking one hundred and one, baby. They filmed this movie in nine weeks. I think they did it in nine weeks, which is Ooh, kind of unheard of. Yeah, I think it was nine weeks. It might have been even shorter than that. Anyways, short, short uh, to the point where she like apparently Lucinda Dickey had to had to get to get to the set, very little time to prepare and and then get to the get to the shoot, like fly out to Arizona to make the movie. So, you know, bingo, bango. We fly and, and, by the seat of our pants here. We fly by the seat of our pants. And and while you say it's like eight or nine weeks to shoot it, yeah, but then there's also like uh, after that, then there's going to be, I think, about a nine to ten month uh, like gap where she's shooting, I think, Electric Boogaloo, and then she has to go back and shoot uh, shoot the the end of this, like reshoot the end of this. So yeah, yeah it's 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 it gets extended, unfortunately. Uh, for her and you can see it in her wig later on um but at least they kind of i I felt like they kind of shot it in order so at least the wig scenes are at the end you know yeah no that's cool yeah so now it's christy's turn to drive out to what i thought was palm springs but now knows arizona but out to the ninja cave and i love her her pre ninja outfit where she's got like the leggings on and the some like bottom on, but then she's got like this like sort of baggy top thing. I, it's hard to describe, guys, but I like it. I like it a lot. But she does go into the ninja cave. She does gear up, and then she comes out full on decked out as the ninja. She is the ninja at that point. Yeah, uh, with eyeliner and everything. With eyeliner and everything, which work, works perfectly for her. For her, yeah, sure. <laughs> Cut to Billy's partner's house, and uh, he's playing pool in his underwear in his like his at his pool table in his living room with a naked painting on the wall. Clearly, he is a professional bachelor. He is not <laughs> married at all. Uh, place is a dump. <laughs> it's a dump, and so is he. But that I mean that's that's his character supposed to be, yeah. you know. Um, Christy kind of like sneaks in and then sort of attacks him. He fights back and they see he starts throwing like like pool balls at her. Uh, she catches one of the pool balls and, and crushes it in her hand. Kind of nice little parallel to the golf ball thing yeah, going throwback. on. Throwback. Yep. Yep. Little, little throwback to that. Um, and then it's nice little you know it's 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 got some a couple cool moves that she does. You know she kicks him back. He kind of attacks her with the the pool cube and she sort of you know sort of slices him it up and everything. But then she eventually like slices him and then kicks him out the window. I thought that was a a really decent stunt to be honest with him there's there's a funny little continuity scene because at one point like they're battling on one side of the pool table and then suddenly she's like right next to the on the other side of the pool table and and it's yeah. a funny moment yeah continuity in this movie like i mean it, you can see when it switches from her to like a female stunt performer or a male stunt performer like it's just it's continuity is out the fucking window in this movie yeah. that's for damn sure um, the next day, Billy is is there, and oh, you know, a bunch of people are there. The police are there, a coroner's there. They're rolling out his body, and Billy's you know there to kind of oversee it. And in the crowd, we see the good ninja Shokasugi standing there. Now, did you notice to uh, screen left, his right shoulder is the director standing there in the crowd? Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Little uh, Hitchcock moment. Yeah, why not, right? Especially if it's a crowd scene, the the second unit director can can shoot the crowd scene. You yeah. know, it just had a small little tracking dolly shot in. Who gives a shit? You know, yeah, gotta 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 get your screen time. 
and Shokasugi doesn't do anything but just sort of stand there. So of all the places the director could insert himself, that's probably the easiest moment. Yeah. Back at Christie's apartment, uh, Billy is at Christie's place, and she's telling him that she she thinks something is wrong with her. She can sense things before they happen. She has extrasensory abilities. And uh, Christie has a mysterious bruise on her shoulder. She says she doesn't remember how it got there. And she feels she says it feels like someone is making her do something. And Billy says, then do something about it. That's helpful, Billy. That's <laughs> really, really helpful. Is this when she hugs him? This is when she hugs him. Probably, and, and her face that. goes right into his fur patch. And I'm just oh, like, his God. sweaty fur patch. Oh, look, God, I feel so bad for Look, her. guys, I gotta, I'm, I'm going to be straight up. I, and, and, and if I'm wrong, please, someone let us know. But I don't know one chick that would ever be down to be, like, smothered in sweaty chest fur. I mean, he has... The, the the exact thing that we talk about like like um, hair sweaters like his neck you know like you can tell he has to shave down to like his collarbone yeah and then you take off his top and it's just poof like just he's like a chia pet and I remember my <laughs> my stepdad was like that but my stepdad had burns on because when he was a kid he pulled down the pot you know off the stove and got burned on his oh, body shit. so he had he had a hairy body like like Billy Secor did, but then he had patches of like burned skin. It was it was pretty gnarly, but um, yeah, man. In 2020, dudes would shave that shit. Like I don't think ain't no dudes walking around with that much hair on their body anymore, especially not actors. No actors do. No, 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 no. Foul, foul. <laughs> At the doctor's, so Christy kind of has to go see a doctor. It's it's a short scene. Uh, this is when the doctor says she's fine. She's fine, except for her extrasensory abilities and her obsession with Japanese culture. I was yeah. like, okay, that's yep, that's uh, that's good writing, right? She doesn't there, have guys. a tumor. She doesn't no tumor. No, no but <laughs> but she has extrasensory abilities. Yeah. So Christy kind of goes to the police station to see if Billy's around, and he isn't because she's talking to like the front desk guy. Um, but one of the other cops. This is wild. One of the other cops from, you know, the shootout, one of the targets, uh, he's he walks by her, but he has two what I can only assume are escorts. And he I mean he's in full his full uniform, police uniform, walking out of the police station by his his fellow police officers with two women around his arms and you know you can tell he's supposed to be the ladies man because first off he's like 50 but he's got the mustache and he's got the tan so you know they cast him as the ladies man but he's as much of a lazy ladies man as larry dallas was from you know three's company oh come on now he looks like a sleazy ladies man you know and by the way by the way guys larry dallas is one of my favorite characters of all time but he's a sleazeball you yeah. know he is. Yeah, he is. This guy. This guy is like. This guy is like. It's uh, the dude that Dirk Diggler's based on in Boogie Nights. Uh, John Holmes. He's a John Holmes looking motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. He's got the mustache and everything. Maybe he's got the schlong. And he's older too. So like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's almost like you know Larry. You know, because you know, what was what was Three's Company was in the seventies, right? Late seventies. Yeah. But th- this is like this is Larry, but like later, you know, and, and he's still trying to schmooze on the women. They weren't ugly. I- I'll say that they they were definitely younger than him. Um, but dude, so question for realsies: Are they escorts? Is that what they oh, were? I-, I would assume they're ladies of the ladies of the night. 
and did he just pull them out of holding and take and that's, them? That's my, that's where I'm going with my world build. Wow. Wow. And everyone is just fine with that. Like, like he just walks past, like, winking and smiling at all these other cops, you know, and, and, and they're just fine with it. But, yeah, that was my uh, that was my question. I go, I go, the cop is leaving the, the station with two hookers, question mark? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so Christy follows him out of the police station because she recognizes him. She, you know, does the whole flashback thing. And she follows him to an international spa. Sure. Right. Sure. Okay. Uh, to two escorts to an international spa inside the spa as one does you know as one would do the cop is in a like a jacuzzi <laughs> he's got his jacuzzi he's in a private jacuzzi room with these two chicks <laughs> and these two uh, hot <laughs> chicks uh and and i mean are they hot they're hot they they look good i love their 80s swimming suits i mean it is this movie is just oh it's god it's so wonderfully 80s you know <laughs> it's absolutely amazingly 80s but uh you know they're kind of doing their thing and christy walks in and she disrobes and she has a bathing suit on first off where did she get that bathing suit right who cares doesn't matter does not matter and like, all right, let me take this as an example of the producers. Uh, can you tell us their names again real quick? Oh, um, Golan and Globus, right? Yes. So Christi- uh, 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 Lucinda Dickey was talking about first time she met them, and they were having a discussion with somebody, uh, you know, while she was meeting them. They were having a discussion with somebody about a movie poster that they for a movie for them, right? And the 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 movie's about like the Brooklyn bridge and everything. And the poster is supposed to have the Brooklyn bridge. And I'm, and, and it's not, it's not the Brooklyn bridge. It's a different bridge. And the, and the person was trying to tell them like, look, you, you, it's not the Brooklyn bridge, a different bridge. And they, their response was a bridge is a bridge. Who cares? So that's right away. I mean, that's the kind of like level of detail that they care to put into their movies. So where does Christie get her bathing suit? It doesn't matter in the slightest. She wears bathing suit because she's dancer, yeah? No, not dancers don't wear bathing suits. No, 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 no. She's dancer, so they wear bathing suit, yeah? Just go with it. Just go with it. Does she look great in that bathing suit? Oh, abso-frickin-lutely. <laughs> so she gets in there and just really turns up the heat on that guy. And that guy is picking up everything she's putting down. But the two girls are like, Ew, fuck you. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, they're like doing their, their bitchy thing or whatever. But like one of them says, like, like wants to leave. But the other one's like, oh, I want to watch. But she's like yeah. bitchy about it. It's it's so, it's so weird. It's so fucking weird. I, I, I just can't even, you know. I wrote, so I wrote weird. down, I wrote down, I want a threesome, but not an orgy. Uh. <laughs> Did she say that? She no, say no, that? no. But that's like their response, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Going in to do that, and yeah, and then she shows yeah, she, up she, to party, and it's like you know, it's it's like it's like oh, I was down for a threesome, but no, now there's too many people involved. <laughs> Ew, you mean we gotta kiss some random girl? Gross. But she's not a hooker. Gross. She doesn't have. <laughs> She doesn't have a wart on her upper lip. Ugh. 
<laughs> gross. <laughs> so Christy's making out with the dude, which is also gross. And she's yeah, got this yeah. ring on and she That's can cool. pop off I the top this. of it. And it's got like a needle on it. Yeah. And she spins it around so that the needle's on the inside of her of her hand. And she stabs the guy in the back. And it's that's some fast acting tenactin. <laughs> that's some fast acting poison because he's pretty much just like, and you know goes to you know starting to die and everything and i love how the the other two girls you know they start like you know screaming and stuff and she slices one of the girls across the chest with that that poison blade so you know that kills her um because she got much more of a dose than than the guy got and then uh the other girl's trying to get the fuck out of there and christy fucking pulls her back in and drowns her i was like oh my god yeah she she slaughtered everybody i was blown away by that Slaughterhouse Five, right there, dude. For real, <laughs> for real. Uh, and so she leaves, and then there's a little bit of a weird time jump. But then after Christy leaves, uh, Shokasugi comes in. I mean, I just call him Eye Patch Ninja. He doesn't really have a name in the movie, so I'll, we'll just call him Show. Um, but uh, he enters and examines the dead body. So he, you know, he knows something. Something's up. Back at Christie's place, Billy pulls up to her place with his convertible, and his and he has groceries or or something. And he comes in, and again, Christie is jazzercising the demons away in her underwear. She is absolutely just drenched in sweat. Uh, Christie says the doctors are wrong. There is something wrong with her, and she's trying to find out what it is. You know, uh, Billy says that there's an officer in the Asiatic division. Yeah, that has a <laughs> Asiatic division. <laughs> That has a Japanese guy he swears by. So, yeah, the Asiatic division, I guess, is the Asian crimes division, I guess. Yeah, I guess. 1984, guys. 1984. (laughs) Context. 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 Always have context, right? Yes, please. Christy says she doesn't believe in, in ghosts and goblins. We cut to, like, a Japanese shop. Billy and Christy talk to the cashier, and, uh, you know, she takes him to the back room. In the back room, we are greeted by James Hung, Lopan, Cartwright. Oh, no, so great. Man. And he's so young. He's so young. I love it. It's With great. big fake mole on his yeah. face. Yeah, they just put a, why not? They just put a big fake mole on his face. He's like, fuck it, you know? Here, take this mole. He's like, sure, why not? I don't care. I'm a, I'm a Chinese uh, actor playing a Japanese person. What the fuck do I care? <laughs> Work I'm James. Work. I will take any fucking part, Hong, and I will own it. I will own the scene. He does own the scene. He's great. He, he does. I mean, that's the thing. He kills everything he's in. Yeah, and great. one of my personal favorites is is Balls of Fury. Have you ever seen that? I never saw Balls of Fury, but I'm assuming it's very similar to his role in Revenge of the Nerds Part Two. Yeah, yeah. It's like the the silly uh, the the Mr. Miyagi that's super silly and gets yes. beat up. Yes, I love it. I got. I'll have to check it out. It's. I mean, Christopher Walken is in it too. I mean, yeah. it's. It's. Ping it's pong. great. So, <laughs> James Hong tells her to take a seat. Uh, the girl brings out some chains and cuffs. Okay, this is getting weird. <laughs> Time to party. <laughs> in case the spirit gets angry, that's the that's that's the reasoning. Uh, Christy is chained up with her arms out. So imagine she's standing there. Her arms are straight out, and then there's another like another chain around her waist. But her arms aren't chained up. They're more tied up. So she's yeah. going to be able to break free of that uh, in a little bit. Um, and but, she's, but her arms are like kind of straight out to the side. 
Christy smokes out of a pipe that at this point I just wrote Lopan gives her <laughs> and he starts chanting. Uh, and then of course they do the tried and the true wind. The wind comes in, you know, the wind blows in yep. and uh, you know, so that's when you know the demon is there. Right. And it starts blowing all around the room. The candles start shooting up and everything. Uh, James Hong starts uh, talking to the evil ninja in Japanese and Christy responds in Japanese. We don't know if she's actually speaking Japanese. It just, says uh you know foreign language spoken weirdly it doesn't say japanese spoken it yeah. just says foreign language highly spoken. doubt highly that's, doubt that's scary that's scary i i do hope that at least it's japanese i just swear to god i hope it is um but uh when she responds her eyes are like all red and shit and there's gray in her hair i dug that i thought that was really fucking cool yeah i love that when they whenever they do the gray streak because she has that for yeah. the rest of the movie which is really cool yeah. like yeah. nancy from Friday 13 or from Nightmare on Elm Street or Ash in Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah, it's or, really uh, fucking cool. Joe Beth Williams and Poltergeist. Oh yeah, good call. I forgot. I always forget about that. Her hair goes gray too. Yeah. Um. But but yes, her hair. It's really cool continuity until they need to put the wig on her and then they forget about the uh, the the gray. They forget about the gray and they forget about what the hairstyle is. It's almost yeah. as if they didn't have pictures to look at, which is really fucking weird. But okay. Um. Christy breaks her arms free of the ropes, but her like her waist is still bound. You know, uh, Billy wrestles with her and tries to try, you know, tries ties her arms to her body. So now she's standing straight up with her arms tied to her body, but that thing is still like around her waist. And so she starts screaming and spinning in the air while James Hong is, is, is sort of gets pushed up against the wall. I mean, shit is going crazy. And I do like how James Hong is his character. Um, I like how right away he knows he's in over his head. He's like, Oh, this is out of my league completely. And he wants to call it off. Yeah, I love that. I love that. He's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, he's not. like, no, no. Right away, he's like, he realizes that he's it's out of his, it's, he's in over his head. And she's like, you fool, you cannot stop me. I am a ninja. And I love how, like, I am a ninja. It's supposed to mean that, like, she's unstoppable, you know? I uh, am a ninja. <laughs> oh, man. She passes out and the uh, spirit leaves her body. Uh, Billy wants answers, you know. He heard the word ninja, but James Hong says that he, can, he better better that he doesn't know. Billy sort of like threatens him, and uh, he says she's possessed by a black ninja. And this is why you know he's the the villain is referred to a black ninja in this, even though he doesn't wear black. But it's you know that's I guess his soul, right? Uh, with all the power of the nine hand cutting, I had subtitles on, okay. And James Hong says, with all the power of the nine hand cutting, I do not know what that means. But he did. Like, he said it like we were supposed to know what that means, you know? You don't, you don't know what all the power of the nine hand cutting means? I mean, come on. That's like textbook. I know. It's te- te- textbook ninja. <laughs> yes, ninja 101. Jesus. Now, we do find out Ninja 101 right here where he does say only a ninja can destroy a ninja. Uh, by the way. Multiple times they say it in the movie, only a ninja can destroy a ninja, but yet on the cover of the movie, it says only a ninja can kill a ninja. Destroy, kill, come see, come saw. <laughs> you're, you're like, of all the things you're going to hone in on, you're going to hone in on that one? I just want nope. to point out the discrepancy <laughs> with the box cover art and the dialogue No, don't give me that fucking voice. <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> <you>. <laughs> JK, LOL, LOL. <laughs> 
but he does say he can't help her, but he knows someone who can. Uh, we cut to... I could not figure out at first what the location was, but it it's the hospital, you know, but it's weird because it's shot from like the backside and it looks like the, the hospital just looks out to like an open field or something. It did not feel like a hospital, but the, 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 the good ninja show Kasugi it's broad daylight. He is, we got to talk about it, buddy. He's wearing his ninja outfit. Sort it's like, it's, it's like his casual ninja outfit. It's black slacks with like black shoes, but he has this sweater that's like this it's it's nice form fitting sweater black with these weird patterns in it these like subtle blue patterns in it and when i watched it with my wife i paused it and i was like that fucking sweater's baller like i'm saying like i would wear the fuck out of that sweater in 2020 it is fucking hot and then i texted a picture to zach and i was like i fucking love this sweater and what was your response mine was uh that's exactly what i was thinking because yeah, it it is it's beyond radical. It, it's almost like there's blue underneath it with like these little cutouts, like little slices throughout. So you can just see the hint of the blue peeking through on you know like a checkerboard, but it's all in black, and yeah. it's real. Yeah, it is, it is beyond radically awesome, and it's it, it makes this movie in my opinion. Dude, dude, this sweater literally elevates this movie for yeah, me it really does. because of all the movies we've watched this is the one article of clothing that i was like oh i want that shirt hands down yeah yeah me too so, <laughs> so good guys and gals out there if you want to know what to get us for christmas get us both that sweater yeah if you can find that sweater <laughs> we will give you a blu-ray copy of this movie <laughs> Yes, there you go. We will give you, we will exchange a Blu-ray copy of this movie for that sweater, man. Oh my God, it's so awesome. But uh, so he kind of, he, you know, he breaks into the to the, the hospital, uh, but he takes out a bunch of cops. Um, but he does it non-lethally. So, and I like that they don't go out of their way to show that to you. You sort of have to be paying attention. But yeah, he he even at one point throws like a throwing star, but it just it kind of just bounces off the gun. So right away you're like, okay, he's the good guy. Yeah, he's not trying to hurt anybody. But he, he gets to um, to the morgue, dispatches the two orderlies in there humorously. And uh, you find out that the whole time he was basically trying to get the body back of the evil ninja, the, the, the black ninja. So he pulls open the little morgue drawer and then the body, you know, is in there full of holes, like riddled with holes. You know, um, we flash. Now, this is when we get the flashback. So we flash back to Shokasugi with both of his eyes, didn't have the eye patch, um, and he's being kind of tied up the exact same way Christy is. Like, his arms are sort of out straight to the side, and the evil ninja is in front of him with a bunch of other ninjas. They're all wearing black, but he's wearing that tan one, so you know it's, you know, it's him. It's the same outfit from before. He throws a fucking throwing star into, the, into Shokasugi's eye and then just, like, laughs and, like, runs away. And then that's it. You don't know, like any more of what happens but like does he think that he killed him did he leave him to like get you know uh to to you know get killed by the the lesser ninjas and, and shokasugi fought his way out of it but you know that's like another movie like a whole nother fucking movie to watch right there yeah i want to see that movie I'll, right i buy that for a dollar <laughs> i'll buy that for a dollar Nar. Nar. Uh, <laughs> um so Basically, uh, 
he has the body. So Shokusugi flashes, and that's all the flashback there is. It's it's real short, and uh, goes back to the hospital, and he takes the the, the black ninja's body. Um, cuts to this Japanese temple uh, that's that clearly is blue, like blue screen or matte painted onto the the hills of Arizona. Is this <laughs> Japanese temple, and you can just see him. He just drives up and he he brings the body to the temple, and that's that's all we see at this point. Um, back at the police station, Christy's eating yogurt. She looks like shit, but like like her, she's, she's pale. She's got the 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 white, you know, the white in her hair. But she's enjoying that yogurt, like very childlike. She's like, mm, mm, nom, 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 you hey, know. You always got time for yo play. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was dude yo play, man. I remember that from the eighties, bro. I remember yo play. I love me some yo play. Yeah, dude. Uh, she doesn't remember what happened. Two of the cops from the from the golf course, the the two uh, motorcycle police officers. Uh, one of them, I, th- I believe, is Hispanic. The other one's the African American gentleman with the the cigar in his mouth. I mean, he still has the cigar in his mouth. I mean, it's it's he is a one trick pony, you know. And uh, he walks up to to Christy and Billy, and Christy recognizes them, you know, of course, right away. And they're like sort of standing staring at each other. And Billy's like, uh, Christy, you know, you want to like sort of say hi, you know. But yeah, anyways, that was a little, I was like, she doesn't need to say hi to them. She doesn't barely even know you, Billy, even though like we're supposed to be told that that your boyfriend and girlfriend. But, you know, it's like we've only hung out like once. Basically, yeah, I want to point out the fact that, yeah, he says that to her. They so just 24 hours prior, she was chained up, possessed and acting demonic. And then he's like looking at her like, what's wrong with you? You know? Come on, say hi to my say hi to my buddies here. Say hi to my buddies. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and they're they're giving her a little bit of like, mm, who is this this girl? You know, yeah. but they say they're like, just want to remind you that the funeral is at four thirty, and Billy's like, I'll try to make it. And I'm like, whose funeral is it? His douche. partner? Is it his partner's funeral? Yeah, it's the it's the guy she killed in the, uh, it's the guy uh, the 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 bachelor. But like. Why was Billy like not, you know, planning on going to the funeral? I don't know, man. Like, yeah, he has no redeeming qualities at all. He fucks up even trying to get the sword later in the movie, you know, (laughs) like it's a simple task. He's a cop. He can't go in and like do his detective thing. Yeah, no, this is this is a perfect example of like a character that like. Everything happens to like he doesn't deserve anything, but yet he'll still get the girl, he'll still get the kiss, and he'll still be the winner at the end because that is what the the writing gods have dictated. And you know, like nowadays, I, I feel like the audience is a little bit more discerning, and you know, people would have been like, "Oh, that doesn't really make sense." But back in the eighties. You didn't really give a shit. You just sort of fly by your seat of your pants. And if this movie was entertaining, it was entertaining. And you also have to realize, like, the mentality, especially early 80s, like, they're, they're, like VHS stuff wasn't really readily available. You know, like, it, people weren't thinking that in the future we were going to have HD that, like, people could watch movies on a freaking 60-inch screen and, like, pause it and stare at it as much as they want, you know? Like, they didn't have any of that concept back then. It was just like, okay, is this going to be fun? Great. Is this going to hold up under scrutiny? It doesn't matter because it, it, this movie was never intended to be scrutinized. No, no. And let's be honest for we've all been there where uh, chicks love their bad boys. They love their dicks. 
Of course, of course. I mean, yeah, people, that's you know, it's true. It's like it's true. Part of me was like, this guy is such a douche, and like, well, actually, but this is the guy that got chicks like this back in the day. Ex- yes, exactly, exactly. Make yourself more unavailable. <laughs> Uh, but we do also find out that the, the cops tell Billy in front of her that the uh, body of that ninja was stolen from the morgue by some kind of Japanese mafia or something. So I'm like, I love how they're just openly talking about open cases right in front of, you know, <laughs> civilians. But, you know, sure, whatever. That's all good. Uh, but but Christy's now like, you know, so she saw them. So, you know, she knows something's up and she goes back to her apartment and everything starts going crazy again. And she's like, no, no, you don't. Not again. And she closes the cabinet and she tries to 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 leave the apartment but she can't and it kind of like the door opens and you know she goes to leave and like the doors open but like all this wind is sort of like keeping her in there and she starts like moving around um oh i'm sorry uh things start moving around in the apartment and like you know like her fridge and stuff start flying out lights explode uh the phone has like an evil voice on the other end and the closet kind of explodes open and she turns up her music and she's trying to dance the evil way while all of this is happening which is really the craziest thing you could possibly do is just try to dance it away as it's happening it's almost as if you know um what mary beth williams wait is that her name from um or Joe Beth Williams from uh, Poltergeist. Yeah, Joe Beth Williams. Yeah, yep. it, it's almost as if like while the room was going crazy, where the kids, you know, uh, got sucked in the closet, yeah. she just decides to go in the middle and just start dancing. Like that would just make everything, you know, go away, right? It's 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 insane. It's insane that they expect us to buy that. But I love that they do expect us to buy that. You know what I mean? Like the fact that that like they yeah. gave us this is what is amazing. I want to point out too the fact that. This goes back to Billy. Like your girl just went through this traumatic experience and you're leaving her alone back at her place by herself. Wouldn't you want to keep an eye on her for at least another day or so? Fuck that guy. And then on top of it, uh, the music throughout this movie that is like actually has like lyrics and stuff. It's some of the worst, you know, uh, music around the eighties were ripe with just, the, the, the most like low budge or low budge they, they could have got a bit more decent songs for this found a slightly better artist no offense to the people that they did have on this because they're not good at all it's not like i mean it's yeah it's not a classic score you no. know it, it it's it's silly and it, I, I believe, like it adds to the fun, or I should say, it doesn't take away from the fun. No, it doesn't. But I don't think it it doesn't add much value to it. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. The sword flies out and cuts the stereo in half. It's yeah, like I, love that. I do like that. And the sword's like, "Fuck you, stereo. <laughs> Fuck your music. You got shitty taste, girl." Yeah. And here's what I think about it. Yeah. And uh, then a cool, a kind of a cool effect. The they did one of those effect where where. They put the room on hydraulics and they slowly start shifting it and the room starts, everything starts sliding to one end. They, I mean, they did this in, in Poltergeist as well when all, everything slid into the closet, but this is not as good as that. But you, you get it, the same idea. And you know what? It, it, it's, it was more than I ever expected them to, to put into it, you know? Like mm-hmm. that much of an effort. Spielberg, Furstenberg. Yeah, yeah, the Bergs. It's, they like their know, moving platforms. Six you know. half one of the jobs. No, I, I know. <laughs> right after I said that, I'm sure someone's like, no, Toby Hooper directed Poltergeist. <laughs> That's a podcast for another day. Yes. But, uh, 
Uh, I I do like uh, ah shit I don't oh here we go I know I do I did write it down okay so earlier on one of the two cops I think it was the cigar one says that the 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 cemetery is at the Clark City Cemetery and then I love immediately they pull into or or Billy drives up to the Glendale Memorial Park and I'm like yeah you didn't even have to sh- you didn't have to show you know have to have a crane shot showing the name and you didn't have to have him say it earlier but yet yeah. here we are <laughs> here we are having a character tell us that it's Clark City Cemetery and yet the movie's showing us Glendale Memorial Park yeah. and it doesn't matter because it's produced by two guys who didn't give a shit about the uh, the Brooklyn Bridge <laughs> so you know and also and a, too a bridge is a bridge i want to point out uh this is a funeral and the the Secord is dressed um very casually for a funeral yeah. I'll leave yeah. it at that. Well, he's dressed for for a funeral he didn't want to go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He looks like he's auditioning for uh, you know Matthew Fox character on Party of Five or some shit like that. Like, yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Like, dude, right. dude, come on, man. We're 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 all black at least. Right? Yeah, I know. Right? Be like at least appropriate. You know, he wore a fucking tie when he went over to James Hong's house. He was wearing a when they went when they go when they when they visited the Asiatic. Uh, aquatic divisions you know lead japanese uh dude he's wearing a tie and a, and a sport coat he couldn't wear that to the funeral no because he's billy secord he's a dick Fuck that guy <laughs> <laughs> sorry dude Fuck that guy lucinda dickie's gonna listen to this someday she'll be like oh you're being so harsh on him no i'm sure and i know it's like they're apparently friends to this day the guy the actor well, we're, we're being harsh on the, the character yes the character just well and we're like, being harsh on his on his hairy body but, well I mean, yeah that was that was to be expected we Come on, we could yo. not let that slide guys there's no way we no, could let that slide it's like you can grip that shit with handles i mean dude <laughs> dude guys it's worth watching this movie just for Billy Secord. I remember in the eighties when uh certain like wrestlers in the ring, there was a guy, uh Michael P. S. Hayes, who wrestled for the Freebirds and P. S. St- stood for uh purely sexy, Michael Purely Sexy sure. Hayes. And his his chest hair looked like just massive pubes all over his chest, you know. Oh, and in oh, those old eighties wrestling mags that I had. And this is before this is Ray when Hogan was coming out and you know the Von Erichs were looking really. You know they they were they were hairless. <laughs> Sounds terrible. <laughs> well, well, dude, I so just to let everybody out there know, I have the reverse. So like, if you see like my elbows down and then like my legs are all like very blonde and very thick hair, but then from my elbows up and then my entire back and chest are. As smooth as a baby's behind, I cannot grow any hair to save my life. But like, I am like the reverse. I have like a skin sweater on, whereas, uh, whereas he has like a, a hair. You know what I mean? Like, it's you it's lucky bastards. You lucky bastards. <laughs> oh man. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, 
Well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. And now, back to the show. Back to the funeral that Billy doesn't want to attend. Um, he's driving through the cemetery, and he sees uh, Christie's um, van. She sees she, He sees her van, so he knows that she's there somewhere. Uh, we see Christie in her ninja costume climbing a tree. While, while the service is happening, Billy's kind of like searching around, kind of looking for her. Um, she's kind of jumping from tree to tree. I kind of I like those little yeah, things. Cool. Showing, like showing, I, I like... Of of all the stuff that they do in this movie that's insane, I feel like they show the ninja stuff in the best light. You know what I mean? Like like and, and yes, it's weird. It's like okay, but it's it's insane that he digs himself into a a hole in the ground and covers himself up with dirt and everything. But like those are like I don't want to say real things that ninjas did, but they are things that that people said ninjas did do you, you know what i mean or <laughs> they at least try to make the ninja shit work okay is what yeah. i'm trying to say I, I i i respect the art of the ninja 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 so she's hopping from tree to tree kind of getting in the best position with her her bow and arrow you know uh the two motorcycle cops are there they have their helmet on i mean their helmets on i'm always like Take your helmet Why off do they the always funeral? have their helmets on? Even at the yeah. funeral, take the helmet off, you know, right? Like, you're supposed to be dressed in, like, your, your, your best, I thought. At least from everything that I've seen, right? You're not, you're not fucking man-in-arms from, you know, Masters of the Universe. Like, yeah, you don't no. keep your helmet on all the time. Exactly. Although most of the cops in this movie have a mustache like man-in-arms. Man-in-arms, yes. Yeah. And, that, and I just wanted to drop a man-in-arms reference for fun. Hey, man, I will always take a man-in-arms reference. Mm. He was my favorite He-Man hero. Me too. We'll see you next nice. time. <laughs> By the way, there's a, there's a you know how they always have the moral message at the end? I forget yeah. what episode it was. but It might be um, the, the Spellstone, Curse of the Spellstone. But uh, he's like, we all love fun and games, but sometimes they can get out of, out of control. You can, accidents can happen. You can... What does he say? He goes, you can lose an arm, you can lose a finger, even an eye. So just be careful out there. We'll see you next time. <laughs> he should have said, or you can lose your face like Skeletor did. Oh, dude, it is so great. And I remember watching it with Bodhi when he was like three. And I and Bodhi goes, lose an arm? <laughs> I go, yeah, dude. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 
I mean, you're like, it can happen. I don't know right. what he, Man-at-Arms is referencing, it's but I mean, possible. as a human being, we are capable of losing our arms right? and our fingers and our eyes, but usually not our face. <laughs> so at the funeral, they have the whole honor guard thing, right? The, the people who are going to go fire, fire the rifles into the air. Uh, First off, it should be noted that they never fire live rounds. They only fire blanks. So in a few seconds, it won't make any sense when, when one of the cops grabs the gun. But before that, so I loved this. This was awesome. So right when they shoot, do the honor guard shoot, she releases her arrow and kills the one of the two cops, the, the Hispanic one. And, I mean, dead shot right in his chest. And I'm like, whoa, yeah, that cool. was, that was cool fucking scene. awesome. And I like that she timed it. You know, yeah, with the with the guns, but uh, I did write I did write on here chaos ensues because that is what happens. Pretty chaos much does ensue. <laughs> I love how the other cop, the African American gentleman with the scar in his mouth, he just starts panicking. He's like, "Give me a gun! Let me have a gun!" And he grabs one of the honor guard's gun right as she releases her next like arrow, and it kills that honor guard. I'm like. No, you killed that honor guard. It wasn't, and it was by mistake, you know? But then he starts shooting wildly into the trees. But guess what? Those things have blanks, man. Like, those aren't, like, they don't have bullets in those things. Like, there's no point to that. But everyone is shooting wildly into the trees, you know? But then she shoots and shoots the, the African-American guy in the throat. That was actually kind of cool. I like that shot. He's like, ah! So he's down. He's out. He's he's over. And, hey, I'm sure there was some kind of, like, throat cancer cigar joke there, you know, with him getting shot in the, the throat with an arrow. But, uh, but you know, whatever. He should have had the cigar still in his mouth when he died. That would have been great. That would have that would have made that. this movie a fucking ten. Not yeah. that we ever rate our movies, but this would be a ten if he still had his cigar in his mouth. Everyone is shooting wildly into the trees now, you know, and she's kind of uh, she's kind of like jumping around and everything, and then she jumps out of the tree and takes out three motorcycle cops. And I like how she kicks one in the head and breaks his helmet in half. It, yeah. It's not it's not like a well done shot, but I like that they tried to give it that that extra bit of oomph, you know, like you don't really notice that his helmet breaks apart, but I, I saw it. And I was like, Oh, I, it wasn't the best, like, like shot scene, but I appreciated that you tried to make it kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that assessment. And then Christy fights off five guys with nightsticks. Now I will say one of those cops with a nightstick just destroys a, a headstone, you know, like straight up, like, you know, concrete. And I'm like, wow, he's, he's pretty strong. He just knocks it in pieces, but she kind of makes short work of, of all of them. And then she climbs up into, into the tree as the cops are shooting her and she lands on the other side of the trees. So she kind of like is out of the cemetery and away from the cops. But when she lands on the other side of the tree, she sees Sho is there, and he starts basically chasing her. And chasing, chases her over a fence. They, she jumps over a fence, and then he chases her over the fence. This is one of those times where she, I'm using air quotes, she, Chris Christie's character is running at the camera. But boy, oh boy, is that a dude. I mean, you can tell it's a guy. It is It is like uh, in I'm Gonna Get You Sucka when they make fun of the stunt doubles being so painfully obvious that it's not the the actor and they parody that or space balls when they catch when they catch the stunt the stunt doubles yeah totally (laughs) this is this is one of those cases it's hilarious this is what not intentional 
This is what like movies like Spaceballs are making fun of. This yes. is exactly what they're making fun of. And I'm gonna get you, sucker. God, I love that movie. I mean, I haven't watched. I'm gonna get you, sucker, in forever. That's a great movie. <laughs> Uh, she runs into an abandoned house and show chasers are there. They do like a little bit of a, of a cat and mouse sort of thing. Uh, he follows her up to the second floor. The house is kind of abandoned and, and decrepit and everything. Uh, Christy sort of surprises him and kicks him. Like she jumps down sort of kicking him downwards, knocks him through the, that floor and then through the second floor and into the basement. And that stunt was actually pretty fucking cool. Um, he does land on sort of, he gets a little bit impaled and i say a little bit i mean i imagine getting impaled is never a good thing but it doesn't seem to slow him down to the point of like you're like oh, why did they even bother with even doing an effects shot like that you know because he's a ninja he's a ninja and so he tries to get back out of the basement but she keeps like throwing trash down at him so he can't so yeah. he's like ah fuck it i'm just gonna jump through the floor and that's what he does he jumps through the floor up to the main floor basically does a little fight with her and then takes her mask off so you know he sees sh- who she is and he knows that you know he sees it's christy it's obviously not the the other ninja but he knew that because um you know he already had that body and everything but now he i guess he actually knows who she is you know and uh cops kind of show up and christy jumps out the window and this is the shot guys it is a guy with lucinda (laughs) dickie's haircut and which is weird because the guy kind of looked normal with her haircut so that haircut is is i guess unisex but they don't even she doesn't have a mask on or, or, or i say she again her character does not have a mask on so that is just a dude in slow motion with her haircut jumping out of a window and you're just like i'm just looking around i'm like that's, that's a guy i mean that's just a guy right there yeah it's it's hilarious it's definitely a freeze frameable scene Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely is definitely freeze frameable Uh, show gets caught by the police and Billy arrives on the scene and, you know, uh, Billy, of course, of course, why not? Uh, The cops let Billy sort of get in the back of the cop car to talk to show because, of course, why not? He's a fellow cop. Of course. Right. Yeah, show uh, says he was waiting for Billy to talk to him. So he's kind of because he's been tracking Billy and he sort of knows, you know, and uh, he says he says to get to get the the sword and the girl and take them to the old temple and wait for him there. Uh, like always oh, said, like old temple on the mountain, you know, like like Billy's supposed to know that. And of course, Billy like looks down at the handcuffs and show gives him like this little sly look like, don't you worry about that? Yeah, I got this. I got this. And uh, we cut to, again, in a cop car. Now it's he's being driven. Show's in the back. There's another cop in the back next to him. Then there's two cops in the front, one driving, one in the passenger seat. So this is cool. Show takes out a little a little tube out of his eye patch, and it has, like, a little dart, and it shoots it in the guy in the neck in the, in the next to him. So that kind of that guy kind of slumps over, but but it's not like loud or anything. So the, the driver's still driving. Uh show then does like a neck a Vulcan neck pinch on the on the the passenger car a cop uh in the passenger seat, knocks him out, and still the the driver doesn't know. I kind of like that. I was like, oh that's very ninja y and then it's eventually the the driver's ninja. like, hey wait a minute, what's what's going on here? You know, like how did this happen? And I like like how show was just like, I don't know how this happened. Ha-cha-cha-cha! And then you know takes <laughs> takes the guy out. It was I thought that was a fun little scene that I that I really enjoyed. I actually would have liked to seen more of that too. I, like I that liked, kind of yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, that that was cool. 
Yeah, me too. Me too. Like, there's some, like, as much as I love this movie as a whole, there is some gold in it. Some, like, actual legit good shit in it. Yeah. But there's a lot of other shit around that. And then, of course, they, they show him uh, un- uncuffing the, the handcuffs, which that's nice that they that they show that, you know? I just realized what they could have done, when my shit analogy early on in this thing. If, if the shit had corn in it, and, you, <laughs> and, and the corn is like the good kernels, and the rest is just shit, you know? Because corn don't digest. Like Brody says in Mallrats, I talk out of my ass a lot of the times, but occasionally a nugget of truth... We'll slip through, you know? That's right. And that's that nugget right there. I don't know what that had to do with mall rats, but I just thought nuggets, you know? <laughs> uh, back at Christy's apartment, Christy's looking in a mirror and examining, like, her new wounds and everything. I mean, she looks beat the fuck up. And she's got no problems with that. She's like, okay, I guess this is my new life now. I just get yep. mysterious wounds, you know? Uh, Billy kind of sneaks into the apartment, and he finds her ninja outfit there. He, he's, he's looking sweaty, by the way. Did you notice that he's real sweaty in the scene? And uh, he finds the the sword in the closet. Christy walks out, you know, of the bathroom area, and Billy draws the gun on her. She's like, "Why, why, why?" You know, and and he says that she killed everyone, and he's taking her to the temple to see show. Billy tells her to put her hands out so he can cuff her, and uh, she says she loves him. My God, buddy, did he? Does his character deserve that? Do you think? No, I, I know I, the answer. First of all, first of all, I, I want to go back just a smidge when before she gets to the house and she drives away in her van and it's clearly that male stunt double Mm. driving the van yes and i'm like wait a minute was that a reshot scene perhaps so what i'm thinking is that that day that they shot it she wasn't there that day they probably only shot um yeah the the stunt person jumping out the window and then they shot probably the billy and the show the show stuff that day but they're like oh shit we need we need Lucinda Dickey for just literally like a nanosecond. So they're like, you know what? This guy over here's got the hair for it. Let's just put him in the driver's seat and send him on his way. And you know what? It didn't work. You can tell it's a dude right away. I know, <laughs> I was like, guys, you're not fooling nobody here. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, yeah, so there's that. And then, and then yeah, he he's showing up all sweaty. And I'm like, first of all, what? like the scent of sweat <laughs> everyone is sweaty here right <laughs> and, and just uh just that liquid and no he does not deserve an iota of i love you what has he shown her nothing 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 that is deserving he's been a, he's been an asshat the entire time so when she says that she then gets a flashback she sees she we we finally get you know, like a full clear shot of Billy at the scene. So it's, it's kind of like now the black ninja really has confirmation that the body (laughs) that he's inhabited, the guy that his body has been fucking, um, you know, is actually (laughs) one of the guys that he wants to kill. So, uh, so now we, he knows that for sure, you know, and she, she beats the shit out of him. She does a a cool ass move on him and, and kind of like kicks him, kicks him in the ass and everything. And then she grabs the sword and she's about to kill him. And he screams or he's like, Christy, no, you know, and he, she's, she, She's pulling that sword down quickly on him, but she stops like breakneck breakneck speed and kind of like stops it when he screams out her name. She gets in her van and drives off. 
Billy chases after her in his car, and this is one of the worst chase scenes I've ever seen in any movie ever. And he, Billy, in his little like like street car, cannot keep up with a with a van, probably full of gear and stuff. And then Billy's the one that fucking wipes out. You know, he's a cop. He's in, and you're assuming he's trained to drive a certain way. And yeah, he doesn't know how to drive. He doesn't know how to drive he at all. A, at all. He's a dipshit. Enough said. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, he's not really even in it much more after this, you know? So Thank God. <laughs> I, I just want, I love I love her. You know, she's, she's f- I, I fucking do too. awesome. I do too. And, and again, like I said earlier, man, I, I don't like, I don't dislike the actor that played Billy, but man, oh man, do, do they just like really not do that character justice at all? Like they really shit all over that character and then try to feed it to us that he's the love interest, you know? Yeah. They did this a lot in like the, like, um, uh, I was thinking of like movies, not of this earth with Tracy Lords where, you know, they're the super hot chick and like a, like a, kind of a turd supporting actor love interest where you're like, there's no way in hell this would ever go down this way, but it's the fantasy of the writer or the producer or the director. Yep. Yep. Yes. It's a very male fantastic film, you know? Um, Here's one attention to detail that I actually enjoyed. So show, Kasugi pulls up to the temple and he's driving the the squad car that he stole. I was like, yeah, I love that. Inside, a bunch of monks are training. Uh, then Christy pulls up to the temple in her van. Show dismisses the monks. Christy enters the temple and finds the body of the black ninja. She walks out. I'm sorry. Show walks out. And Christy, in my chicken scratch handwriting, it's sometimes hard for me to discern show versus she, you know. Um, but uh, show she show walks out and Christy asks him for help. She doesn't want to kill anybody anymore. Show promises to help her, but they need to get the black ninja to sort of leave her body. Then, because we know that they are, we're working with a chopped up ending, uh, for no reason whatsoever, Christy has to now fight Show. And, you know, like, why, right? Like, when she was just, like, pleading for it. But, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like there was, because she has her mask on. She's like the ninja. You would think she would take it off, but I think they had to keep continuity there for for what they had to chop up and and reshoot with, you know? Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Showing, showing Christy fight. But he, but he kind of easily beats her. And then very bad special effects of the evil spirit leaving her body, flying up into the air and kind of going into the the black ninja's uh, body. And thus forward, I refer to him as a zombie ninja. And uh, they fight for, for a good bit. And uh, the zombie ninjas, at this point, his movements are very sort of robotic. There isn't, there's a lot of inconsistencies later with what they're shooting. But right now, zombie ninjas' movements are weirdly robotic, and he's got white makeup on to make him look zombie-esque, which will, of course, not be replicated later in the reshoot scenes. Yes. Because so, why? Why would it, right? Why would it be replicated? If no they one can't will even, notice. It's, it's, it's not the Brooklyn Bridge. It's a bridge. It's a bridge. They're, they're not going to notice her, her hair. Who cares? Who cares Who about cares? this guy? You Who know? <laughs> I mean, shit. It don't matter, guys. So uh, the zombie ninja sort of does like a weird magical thing and possesses the monks. And so now they all start attacking show. There's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a good little decent action scene. And it's got like this weird gym, 
weird training gym that's in the middle of their temple to kind of you know give give their some give the actor something to do yeah and you know he fights them off and everything and eventually non-lethally subdues them you know and and by throwing in like a smoke grenade or something but it's fun it's a fun little scene I'm, I'm glad there was a good amount of action there you know it's not bad it's kind of a cool scene i yeah i agree after show dispatches all the monks non-lethally like i said uh he escapes the temple in pursuit of the bad ninja Billy just, you know, he knows where, well, he, well, because show told him how, where, you know, where to meet him. Billy enters the temple and finds Christy. Of course they kiss. Um, Billy and Christy like hear the fighting outside and like, leave the temple to go, you know, see what's going on <laughs> so they can go be a part of the climax of the movie that they were actually in and uh, like barely participate in the climax, sadly. Um, Christy and Billy walk out of the temple and see Sho and Zombie Ninja fighting on the mountainside. Uh, this is when I notice sometimes the Zombie Ninja has the makeup. Sometimes he doesn't have the makeup on. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, it really is. So they're, they're fighting like on top of the mountain. Uh, Sho eventually loses his sword. They fight some more. It's got, there's, again, it's like the whole, the scene as a whole, you could say, you know, is not great, yada, yada, yada. But if you watch it, there are like little moments of cool shit that, and I feel like that is encompasses this entire movie. It's, there's, it, this whole movie is crazy and bonkers and bad shit, but there are microscopic moments of, of greatness in it. I mean, yeah. it, the movie is great. Don't get me wrong, but there are microscopic moments where it's legit great. You know, like there's some karate move that actually turns out really well because they shoot it well as they're fighting. Uh, eventually show disarms the zombie ninja and Christy picks up the sword and stabs him in the gut. It's like, okay, good. Th- I mean, th- you needed your protagonist to have some sort of, you know, uh, climax right like it's it's really weird that our protagonist is not involved in this climax but this is all part of the reshoot originally it was supposed to be christy was supposed to overcome the dark ninja and then like sort of become uh, a good ninja moving forward but now she knows like all the ninja's moves and stuff um but uh so now he gets stabbed in the gut and then the zombie ninjas does this like weird again he spins into the ground like he starts spinning like a top spins into the ground the mountain starts ninja Mountains start shaking, and uh, it breaks. You know, it breaks open. You know, and and show almost falls into it, like into the chasm, which weirdly didn't look like that bad of a fall. But uh, okay, sure. And so he's hanging there, kind of like on, on his grappling hook rope, and the zombie ninja comes up behind him and tries to sort of drag him down the cliff. I think I feel like they wanted in the script for like when the it all opened for there to be like lava and shit down there or something. Yeah, but it, it's it's just ground, you know. But as the the zombie ninja is wrestling with him, I do love the fact that Show pulls out his little like ninja knife. And just like fucking sinks it right into his brain pan, like yeah, right into was, the top of his head. That was a good. That was a nice. Uh, what do you call it? Climax. Yeah, yeah. That that was like that felt satisfying. Now, granted, I wish Christy did that, but it still felt satisfying. Well, he got his and revenge. You know, he did. He really did. And uh, and and so show climbs up and uh, and tells Billy and Christy that it's it's over now. They they kiss because they're in love, 
and uh, the ninja's body vanishes, and then Sho kind of stands on a on a rock and looks out over the the horizon while the credits roll. And <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that is Ninja Three: The Domination. I'm gonna rewind a little bit back to that kissing scene between the two of them, where he's going full on mouth open mouth open trying to basically molest her face and she don't reciprocate at all in that kiss you look at that scene she's not having it so i love the fact that they're friends now but eh, it looks like that was a little uncomfortable for her it's always yeah i love just watching these moments where it's like clearly someone did not want to kiss in this scene you know (laughs) Yeah, dude, I noticed that too. He had full on mouth open and she was full on mouth like pursed together. <laughs> oh, oh man. man. Nin- dude. Yeah. Dude, Ninja 3 the Domination, my man. So uh <laughs> what did you think? Would you recommend this to people? Of course I would. You know, this yeah. is like a this is a <laughs> yeah. party movie. Um this is this is a this is a post COVID get your homies together party movie where uh this is not anything to be taken seriously this is not an academy award winning you know this is not the keep where you say man it could have been so much better no this is as good as it's gonna get and it's been it's entertaining as hell this is entertaining as hell uh yeah it's 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 just fun it's a silly laugh your ass off movie um you know we going into this you and i both talked about how there's lots to shit on in this movie, but there's also lots to just overall be entertained by. It's 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 fun. Like that's the whole point I think of our podcast is that finding the silver linings in movies that maybe don't even have a silver lining, you know? Like <laughs> what can we find in it that that is is redeemable? I think this movie definitely uh passes the test. So, yeah. yeah. That's my two cents. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm with you there. And to to tack on to what you were saying about being a party movie, I completely agree. And but but it's it's a party movie in the best case scenario because it's also a movie you could actually just watch. So you can either put it on in the background and be entertained, or you can watch it and be entertained. And I guarantee you, if you put it on in a party, I think people will gravitate over to it and sit there and start watching it. Um, yeah, for sure. To to your point about not wanting to shit on the movie, so. One I, I didn't mention at the beginning, but one of the reasons I I picked this movie was because how did this get made? You know, did it I think probably a couple months ago at this point, and you know I, I had a good time listening to their you know their review of it. Well, not a review, but whatever it is they do, you know, and it's funny, it's snarky, it's what they do, right? But I was like, oh yeah, I love this movie. But like, you know, I, after listening to their to their conversation. I was like, I want us to present a counterbalance to that because, you know, they mostly just shat on it the whole time. And that's what How Did This Get Made does. And that's fine. They're funny. They're fucking amazing. But I wanted us to have an example of like, 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 like just a counterpoint to their, to their podcast. I want this. I want people to listen to this and listen to that, like both of them together. And you'll get kind of like two sides of the coin, you know? Um, But it's, it's. There's so much to shit on this movie, and we mention a lot of it, you know, and Billy Secord is a big part of it. But this movie is so much fun. Lucinda Dickey is so amazing. I and I've never seen either of the break-ins. So this is kind of my main sort of not introduction because I, you know, I've seen this movie before, but this is my my what I know her from mostly. And man, I just like 
I wish I had more movies with her, you know, uh, growing up. I wish she did more movies so we could see more of her. But what she did do is freaking amazing. And this movie is amazing. I've seen it, what, like, I think three times in the past uh, as many weeks. And, man, after I broke it down today, finished breaking it down today, I could have watched it again. Mm. I can watch this movie over and over. It is it is. It is the one of the best examples of why we love uh, canon so so much, and just these movies of, of this ilk. It, it, this is this is the one of the best examples of it. It's because there's so much shit, but for some reason the end product is so charming. The end product is so much fun. Every choice that they make in this movie, they choose fun over over logic. <laughs> they choose fun over things that make sense. And it's the reason this movie is still talked about today. You know, that and the V8 scene yeah. is the reason this movie is still talked about to this day. And yeah. it's so it's so good, dude. And and knowing that you're just sort of like I feel like this always happens with us, but it's always me who had ne- has never seen the movie before, and this is my first time. So I'm really happy that you enjoyed it, even though you know Billy Seacord sucks. Yeah, no, dude, I was entertained thoroughly, nice. thoroughly, thoroughly. Nice. And, and Shout Factory did a great uh, Blu-ray disc, and you know, um, yeah, you know, and I think too, maybe one of the reasons again. Uh, well, I know, I know for a fact people have said this on our, on our Instagram. We don't, we don't talk about how cool we are and like, you know, uh, take this like kind of somewhat hipster approach of like, oh man, this shit's so cheese ball from the eighties. Like, yeah, it is, it is, and but but it's and that's entertaining what makes it great. as hell. Yeah, and so if you don't like it, don't fucking watch it. And but all our audience is the audience that actually does watch this stuff and appreciates it. So I know everybody's going to kick back and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they don't, then that's fine too. Go roll around in Billy Secor's chest hair. I don't foresee uh, uh, getting a lot of negative feedback on on this one. I do know for a fact that a lot of people have seen it and they're waiting for our review of it. So uh, if you haven't seen it, the only thing I can say is, I would just, I would just buy it. Like, I wouldn't even care, man. Like, if you can find this thing on Blu-ray, you know, for like less than twenty bucks, I think it's on Amazon for like fifteen or something. Yeah, just buy it. It's the best money you're gonna spend. There's a lot of worse things you can spend fifteen to twenty dollars on. I guarantee you, you will watch it multiple times. I guarantee you, you will let people borrow it to show them how crazy it is. I guarantee you, you're gonna put it on in the background at a party just to have it playing no because it's fucking awesome. No so doubt. yeah, this uh, this this gets this gets all of my praise. And uh, you know, I I don't know if it necessarily makes me like want to go and watch ninja movies you know like it's it's still like i feel like i'm still not like a ninja movie guy but uh i'm a ninja three the domination guy that's for sure this this movie is is its own its own yeah. animal so it really is th- th- this doesn't i don't even i wouldn't even lump this into the ninja film you know uh genre it's just it's, its own bonkers film so yeah, so bonkers. <laughs> oh man! All right, buddy. Well, that was fun, man. I I I, I could not wait to do this one with you. Likewise. I couldn't wait to talk to you about it with it with you, and uh, I had so much fun, dude. This was awesome. But uh, before we go, where, my man? Where else can we find you out there in the pod sphere? 
I'm gonna find. I'm gonna be really easy about it. You can just go on my my brand spanking new website, ZachSchaeferVO.com, uh, or you can go to two dollar late fee.com, and that's where uh, you know '80s retro podcast. Good times to be had. Interview celebrities. Break. Uh, we don't break down movies. We just kind of reminisce and talk about movies that we love, soundtracks that we love of the '80s. And uh, yeah, man, like it's 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 a good time to be had. It's it's just a it's a nice companion piece to podcasting after dark. We're not a part of the BFOP <laughs> network, but it's nice to uh, you know share the love of of things that might have been forgotten. Case in yes. point, the, the latest interview we have is with an actor named Hart Bachner. Most people will know him from as Ellis from Die Hard, but the guy has a pretty su- substantial resume. Um, so, yeah, check it out. It's a great interview, in my opinion. I loved it. I love talking to the guy and heard some stories that I never heard before about Die Hard and PCU because he directed that. And, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. I'm, nice. I'm around. How about you, Corey? Where can we find you at? Yeah, man. Well, caught right. (laughs) As James Hong would say. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you can uh, listen to me talk to our pal Adam every week on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We're basically going through uh, the entire series. And as of right now, if you're listening to this sort of in real time, we are wrapping up. We've wrapped up season four. Um, the uh, the wrap up episode just dropped last week, so we're taking a week off and uh, coming back with season five. So we we only have four more seasons of Seinfeld to go. So it's a, it's been a lot of fun, cranking, rocking, and rolling. And as you mentioned earlier, the BFOP Network. If you guys get a chance, check out Talking Back podcast. Tim and Dean are fantastic. They actually. Um, just a couple weeks ago is the time you listening to this dropped an awesome episode on Mad Max go check that one out or go check out the Predator 2 episode it's really fucking good as well yeah. and I recommend those because I think that would be very well for, uh, I think you guys would like that um, those episodes those, those guys are great those guys are yeah. great they really are. They're super fucking cool. And, of course, check out The Blast from Our Past, Throwback Trivia Takedown, all that good shit. And, uh, you know, if you like what we do, and I'm assuming that you do because you've been listening to us for about two and a half hours, we have about uh, one-third of the content we produce on on the free feeds. So everything else can be found over at Patreon. We have uh, a couple extra shows there. We have Interviews After Dark as sort of our meat and potatoes, and that's where we talk to people like Tom Holland, and we're going to have our Jonathan Stark interview dropping very very soon yeah, and uh, who played he played Billy Cole in in Fright Night and at this point we have about it's uh, 10 or 11 interviews up there so some really good stuff Jeanette Goldstein you know Vasquez from Aliens and uh, yeah it's, it's it's a lot of fun and uh, we also you know have video reveals on there uh, we have another show called Wrap Up After Dark um, we have all kinds of stuff and we actually have a couple more shows that Zach and I are uh, putting together um, I mean they're all part of Podcast After Dark but there are a couple little like sub shows and uh, you know some of them might live on, on Patreon exclusively some of them might come out on the free feed so i mean we're cranking out content but if you're listening on apple Podcasts or spotify we appreciate it but you're really only getting about a third of what we produce so uh you can swing on by patreon check us out and that's patreon.com slash podcasting after dark patreon.com slash podcasting after dark and uh yeah everything's all over there and all proceeds just go towards the show helping us out we we used um 
you know, we, we made that one year anniversary poster. We commissioned that through the proceeds that we got from Patreon and everything. So it's, uh, we appreciate it guys. We really, really do. And, uh, we also know that, that, you know, your, your time and your money is valuable, especially with the economy, the way it is and the way it's going to be going soon. So, you know, a free way to help the show out is still leaving a five-star review on Apple podcasts or sharing it with your friend. It's, uh, it's as easy as that. Share it with a buddy, right? Please do. Please. Please do. (laughs) And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.